millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this particular episode is the mandalorian report (laughs) an amazing collection of noises was that a mythosaur and then someone in most icely having too much to drink was it din jaren almost drowning who knows? Well, I guess the person who made the noises knows. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making the noises is Ken Nabsock. Uh Take me behind the scenes of the noises, Ken. 
it was both a, the roar of a mythosaur as if it was heard on the land, but how you probably heard it underwater. <laughs> uh, that, that is just a, an audio engineer's dream, a bunch of great noises. This really is a story of fluids from people drinking too much on Boonta Eve all the way to going into the living waters of Mandalore. Uh, this is a very exciting episode. We're talking about Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore, and we can't wait to dive in. We know that this is uh, one of our episodes where we probably get a, a few more ears, a few more eyes on YouTube. So we also want to do a very quick plug uh, for our Patreon. It is patreon.com slash force center. Uh, we have always been very lucky to have good support there. It's one of our best uh, means of support. So we're trying to put a little bit more focus on it. The big thing that we're doing right now is we are going to do some coverage of Indiana Jones, an episode, uh, a series of podcasts called Indiana Jones in the Perilous Podcasts. The first episode is dropping on Monday, March 20th. We're going to be discussing Indiana Jones all the way up to the release of Dial of Destiny on Patreon. Once Dial of Destiny comes out, we'll make those episodes available publicly. But if you'll want to join us on the journey, you can do so by becoming a Patreon. All sorts of other great stuff on Patreon. Go check it out if you're interested to patreon.com slash center. All right, Ken, uh, I heard some beeps. Do you need to go to Mandalore? Uh, no, I need to uh, disengage Discord is what I need to do. <laughs> Speak, hey, that, that was basically a plug for uh, for the Patreon because yeah. uh, we have a great Discord community that's dinging and beeping away uh, like a ship running to Bo-Katan for help. Anyway, uh, hey, did we mention this is a totally spoiler active episode? We already spoiled the end in the first few seconds of our podcast. Anyway, let's get into it. Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore. Written by John Favreau, directed by Rachel Morrison. This is a new name to Star Wars. Uh, we talked a little bit when some of the director names got released. Uh, she has had a long and a mighty career as a cinematographer, working with Rick Famuyiwe on Dope, uh, working on you know th- th- this little film you might have heard of called uh, Black Panther. Uh, for her work on Mudbound in 2017, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Cinematography. So I uh, want to speak with great respect that she is not new to the business. <laughs> She's not new to filmmaking. She's directed some episodes of television, but her uh, her uh, career is, is more cinematography than direction. So I just think it's great to see somebody who is established, talented, uh, has some connections to the people working on The Mandalorian. Uh, and this is such a great opportunity to have Star Wars spotlight talented people and maybe make e- people more aware of somebody who who is very accomplished, but is maybe not a name that fans are throwing around. Yeah, I love that stuff. And I love that Rick said, hey, hey, come on board this train. I can open up a door for you here. Uh, all your wonderful work, let's take it here. And, and that's this is what it does. It, it, it levels you up, not, 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 not that your skills couldn't get you there by yourself, but Star Wars has a way of saying hello to the world with you. So uh, I love this. I love this episode and, and love her work and love her here. Yeah, I mean, all the skill in the world is not going to make a difference unless, uh, you know, people put a spotlight on it. And uh, obviously, like yeah. I said, you know, it's a pretty big spotlight to be nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but yeah. in the director conversation and, yeah. and in bringing more people into the the team of Star Wars. And, and we've seen this, this great explosion through Disney Plus of we meet somebody on one episode and the next thing you know, they're directing all of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's exciting to see every one of these names come through and, and wonder what will be next. 
Yeah, agree with that. So this episode was about 40 minutes of actual storytelling, uh, leaving some, you know, room for those credits. Uh, What prep did you do to watch, Ken? What was your viewing experience this time around? A lot going on. We're we're all everyone in the world. You, me, uh, Jennifer, anyone listening. We just we're all going through a lot right now. So I I've been working hard and checking the clock to see if I'm going to be able to sit down and relax and watch Mando. And and I was able to do that. I was able to pump the brakes, slow down, pour a whiskey, mix it with some ginger ale, and sit down at eleven fifty six, and the episode was up. So I started it before midnight. <laughs> Felt like I got ahead of it all. Then I saw that it was a longer episode. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be going to bed at pretty much the same time that I would have got if I started straight up midnight. But uh, it's just there is those moments. We all have them again. The, the state of the world is what it is. But it, you got to find those joys when you can. And even though they're hard, but sitting down on the couch, feet up, sweatpants on, new Star Wars. That ain't a bad thing. And it was fun to fun to take that in. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same place as you of, you know, some great stuff going on. We've been doing a lot of work for Force Center and getting yeah. a great response uh, as we build some new stuff. And I've got some other fun career stuff going on and, and some, you know, family stuff that that's challenging and need to be there for people. So it's a lot. And it's I've been having a harder time. Like I remember the midnight experience, the first, uh, you know, Disney Plus shows is this sort of glowing, oh. Mm-hmm. experience and I've really had to work to go like I gotta put all that away I gotta take a deep mm. breath and calm down and get in in sweatpants okay. mode um so uh I, I did my normal ritual of uh pouring some some mm. whiskey uh in particular uh I, I put some whiskey in a little Jedi shot glass that my wife got for me um I have a lot of Din Djarin action figures I realized mm. Mm, yeah. uh, and I like my little ritual of, uh, you know, about 15 minutes before uh, I'll post a, a, an image of my my drink in an action figure, which action figure buddies are watching their stories with me. This Din Djarin is a Din Djarin with soft goods cape. Uh, it's the Din that came with the uh, the Razor Crest. Uh, mm. So I, I have that Din sort of peering into the whiskey as though he's maybe going to consider taking a bath in it. <laughs> <laughs> People, I think, who love the show have been sort of like, this is awesome. You know, it's meaningful and it's deep. But also, hey, the quest this season is to take a bath. And people who I think are a little down on the show, a little snarky, have been making jokes. Like, we're watching this whole thing to to be about a bath. So people who love it, people are being snarky. There's been so much focus on bathing. So I thought it when I took that picture, I really did think like, "Ah, I'm I'm having some fun with the whole bathing thing. Ken, I did not think I would get to see him bathe this episode. Yes, yes, which is something I'll talk about in the overall reaction. But yes, uh, there you go. Uh, uh, it's like an accidental spoiler, which don't worry. Uh, the the previous long kind of kind of spoiled some things, so we all started with a leg up. Yeah, I mean, the previous on really did like say this is what we're zeroing in on, and hey, don't forget that whole mythosaur thing. Um, but yeah. still, with the with the movement of the show, you you never know. So. Uh, that was my vibe. I got into the mood uh, and I was able to enjoy the hell out of it. So let's talk about overall reactions. Uh, you love it, like it, struggle with it. Did did you uh, drop your drink and, and yell, he's bathing, he's bathing? <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, but I, I really dug this episode. It's, it's, uh, I am almost worried. I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about it. I really don't. You and I take notes and try to take uh, deep notes and lines and cross-referencing and stuff. I, this is a very spiritual episode. And I, I'm trying to find the best way to talk about it because I think it affected me personally. I think it has some ramifications in the 
real world as Star Wars should and often does. And I think it was beautiful. I think I think it was challenging and uh, and and I loved it. The the, the view of it. I'll say this: I, I thought there was at times it was choppy in the writing, but smooth in the execution. And that's that's not necessarily saying it was written poorly. Also, I just it, it bumped around a lot, and last week kind of bumped around a lot. And I just kind of because a couple of moments I was like, I just, I just would like to stay here. Don't don't go back there or don't send Grogu there. But then Rachel Morrison found, this is why I'm glad you highlighted it up top. She found the moments where it needed to slow down and she got us to where we needed to go emotionally. And therefore I just really loved it, especially on rewatch. Um, but yeah, spiritual, spiritual episode. No, I, I really agree with you. I think that there is a style to, John Favreau's writing of the Mandoverse, uh, Mandalorian seasons and book of Boba Fett. Yeah. That is to me, uh, taking the opportunity to say, I have created a level of success Mm -hmm. (laughs) where, uh, I'm not necessarily going to have a lot of executives going, this beat must happen at this point in the script. This is exactly the way it must be structured. Uh, there is to me an escape from rigidity. Um, and, and sometimes that sings for me and every once in a while it feels a little different because it his his storytelling does move differently yeah, yeah. but but it but to me it, it is very purposeful it is a choice it, as you've talked about you know before it's not like it's not like John Fair was like how does writing go um <laughs> you know one of the most uh yeah. successful uh people to ever create storytelling uh, you know by by the numbers <laughs> the things yeah. that he's been involved in um, mm-hmm. but I think there is this, uh, structure and energy of it's this very patient, the character does this. And so they need to do this mm-hmm. and everything is a, is a action and a reaction. And it's, it's very methodical and linear. Um, yeah. and I think that is, that was extremely successful in this episode for me because I did feel like that's kind of a note you'd normally get of like, well, okay, we've got all this forward movement with Din and Grogu, and then Grogu leaves, and then another person comes through the, the same clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it all pays off in the way that Bo-Katan and Din come together and go even deeper into their home in a way they could only do together. So yeah. for me, the all of it pays off. Yeah, and I, you're highlighting one of the moments I absolutely love. Uh, of Bo-Katan uh, approaching and, and arriving on Mandalore. And, and I agree with you there. It, it's, it's uh, sometimes it really, really works. And this is one of those episodes I, th- I thought I felt a little bit more, but, and for those, like you said, up top, we, we get a lot of maybe newer ears listening to the show or people checking back in. I, I think it's fine to remix. I'm a big Favreau fan. And, and that starts with Swingers. Uh, Doug Lyman directs it, but that script is this, it's the same thing. It's we're going to go over to the, to the Los Feliz golf course and we're going to have a scene there. And we're going to deal with the emotions there. And then we're going to go have this scene. And we're going to spend some time playing video game hockey. And, and, and you're going to get the characters. And, and so it, it does It does work. I just, I think, yeah, I think it was sometimes it's a, you know, I don't know, stay with Pelly. Let's get some more Pelly. <laughs> you know, and I just felt like, but 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 it works in terms of Star Wars. But but that, that, that really means a director's got to keep the emotional through lines going. And that's what was at play here. And you're right. You're That's the, 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 when, when the camera, not necessarily the camera, but when the show wanted to push everything in. And go in close on Bo-Katan's face reacting to Mandalore. Go in to the pause. Even the way that he says this is the way when they're having the father conversation, the, the stuttered kind of emotional pause. This episode was full of those moments and, and it f- flowed so nicely because of that. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. I think uh, I, I'm joking a little bit about the the bathing thing. 
mm-hmm. about people's different expectations uh, toward it. I, I do think uh, that Favreau's writing is always extremely intentional. And if somebody did be was like, hey, well, you you broke this alleged rule. And why does this happen at this beat? I think he could tell you why in a heartbeat every time. Yeah. It's not like he's just, you know, um, dashing it off, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, but sometimes I do think not only in the Mandoverse, but I think this happened in Andor, and I think it's happening in a lot of streaming shows uh, where the idea of an episode is very complete, but you don't quite have that. It seems mm-hmm. like the this episode is about this challenge, so we see the beginning and the middle and the end of this challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll get to right where it seems like the characters are going to deal with the the big thing that's been hanging over the episode. And then it's a break, and it's a cliffhanger to next episode. And th- I, I was just sort of... Uh, I was really thrilled that this one finished the idea. It stated yeah. the bathing idea and it went all the way through the bathing <laughs> and, and cut off at the, to me, the exact right moment. And now we're going to deal with the ramifications of yeah. the bathing, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bath, bath time for the soul indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple other big picture thoughts for me is that this was another episode like I think most of Mandalorian, certainly uh, the premiere of season three that really embraces all of Star Wars. Right. Uh, the mm-hmm. the whimsical with Peli, the the fan history and fan love of specific characters like uh, R5D4 that, you know, people of our generation fell in love with, not only because of the the one scene with the bad motivator, but because we had an action figure <laughs> yeah. and we had to wonder, we had to make up adventures. Um, and I know that's not everyone's experience or everyone's favorite, but it's clearly a part of fandom mm-hmm. and a part of fandom that this show keeps embracing. Uh, it also just embraced pulpy space fantasy action from the kind of, the, the weird to the just downright creepy, uh, a horrible yeah. monster in the depths that is, you know, mm-hmm. that was to me uh, half General Grievous, half Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Like, right way to look at it, yeah. Total creepy space fantasy. So everything from this sort of like, here's the most whimsical, what what people can argue is fan service, to the most, that well, that's cool, that's creepy, that's dark, that's badass, all that stuff. Uh, the continuing each episode embracing all of the extremes of Star Wars is really interesting. Yeah, I, I first of all, yeah, I, I definitely need to highlight the eye droid of terror. It was uh, <laughs> I had an actual kind of a uh, moment <laughs> when it's unveiled. Love that uh, the all the all aspects of Star Wars is a great way to look at uh, at Mando and and uh, again, and sometimes it's not for everyone. We're seeing so much talk about that there, but I, I mean, I don't know when when Grogu. Gives a gives a whimsical or fearful coup. I, I just I'm there for it because it means so much, and that's what I keep loving about Mando. And one thing I want to say about this episode, it took us once it kind of started, right? It took us to where we kind of maybe expected to go eventually in the season. But all right, it's happened. Some of it's happening in this episode, right? The minds of Mandalore. Here we go. Uh, it still got there in a very unexpected way, right? Like mm. it it still wasn't. From the fighting, the the Phil Tippett kind of uh, uh, design characters there. I, I know he had a, a he's been involved with the show more. Um, to you know the comedy, the R five, all the stuff you're talking about. It, it did not do what I would have thought. Oh, if we're going to the depths of Mandalore to take this bath, it it, it had its own path there, and I, I really respect that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and I think that was one of the things that was so rewarding about it is the it, it did turn the sort of the structure. Mm-hmm. of previous seasons of Mandalore 
uh, of the Mandalorian on its head, right? The first season is pretty much, you know, protect the child, right? Uh, The second season is very much deliver him to the Jedi. That's the stated goal at the beginning, and that's the last shot of the season, right? So if in his stated goal is, you know, I must bathe, I must not be, I must, you know, cleanse myself of being in a apostate. There is a a leaning toward thinking like, well, I can't wait until the last episode when he bathes and he flies out on the mythosaur, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, and it yep. really turned that on its head, which leaves it very exciting. We, we know we've gotten a lot of the trailer shots. There's other glimpses. So we'll, we'll talk about some guesses about what might come next. There's still more to be done, but it, it leaves on such an exciting moment because of what it means for the characters, but also because of what it means for how much it's widening out what the story of this season could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're off the uh, the, the path, the known path here. And you're so right. Like, I, I had some thoughts of, yeah, I'm bad at prediction. I don't love predicting things. But we all kind of have that, hey, what's next? And it's like, all right, cool. So we might spend an episode looking for IG-11's, uh, you know, processor chip, memory chip. <laughs> and the moment we're like, nah, take R5. I was like, oh, okay. We're, we're moving at a, at a different clip. Uh, and, I, and I love that. Yeah, I saw three new tweets making, you know, the joke about how how Mandalorian is structured like a video game. And like, it is. That's, you know, that's often what the deal is. It's like, yeah. to, to me, um, if you don't enjoy it, totally fine. But it's like, oh, Columbo solved another mystery. Like, uh-huh, that's, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what he does on the yeah. show. Yeah. But I saw like three more tweets about like, oh, the next episode of Mandalorian will be like, I'll give you a, you know, a sandwich for if you give me a blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and that was also kind of one of my overall reactions of, of, uh, to this episode of like, well, so much for the snark about the deal making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he just went yeah. and did his thing. Did his um, thing. I, I, it was really, really great for me to get quality Bo-Katan time. We'll, we'll spend mm-hmm. plenty of time talking uh, about it. Um, I, I've always enjoyed the character. I've always enjoyed her, uh, uh Katie Sackhoff's performance. Uh, it's great to see her in Mandalorian, but I think I felt like in her, previous appearances in the Mandalorian they were great but they were so table setting they were so moving the character into position as a chess piece and I don't mean that as a criticism it's kind of what what you need to do it was so great to just like them going deeper into Mandalore Mm -hmm. go deeper into character her character spend some time with her truly feel her emotions and, and really spend time with her as a full character was great I really agree with that. I I think it was uh, season two is a case of she's in this story to serve the purpose of Din, right? That literally uh, information. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one felt like, because last week we had the great scene, some wonderful internet content based around that scene out there. You know, all this this stuff is great. It's making me laugh. Uh, But this week has just felt like, oh, much like Katie Sackhoff being pushed up the bill, right on the credits, uh, we've got we've got kind of almost a co-story here, and I, and I felt that, and it was uh, it was well earned, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and I think final thing for me, I want to say big picture before we get into individual ideas is I think w- responding to what you're talking about is is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is about the marriage of practical knowledge <laughs> mm-hmm. and and spirituality um but also to me it 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 isn't i don't think it's trying to be meta but i receive it that way mm-hmm. um that there's the tension between bo-katan and din about is there any magic left right mm-hmm. or is this just theater is there any meaning under 
the fun and the lore. And when the character's actively debating that, mm-hmm. I can't help but feel that real life debate about Star Wars, that real life debate that I've been trapped in my entire genre loving life of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you just like the the weird things, you just like bright colors because you know because you're too impatient to sit down and read Dickens, which I absolutely have and enjoyed. Dickens was popular at the time. Anyway, um, I, I think that the idea that these ideas and images and things that Bo-Katan literally describes as children's stories are not empty. There is still meaning down there in the mine. Uh, that spoke to me as a fan of Star Wars, as a fan of genre as a fan of digging deeper, as as a fan of the argument that, yep, action figures are little pieces of plastic that, that are sold for money. Yep, <laughs> they are yeah. little symbols of capitalism, but they're also symbols of what the characters mean to us. They're symbols mm-hmm. of moments in our lives. And, and uh, just this idea that, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe take a break on the cynicism and ask yourself, what is this the meaning the spiritual meaning baked into this thing that you're passing over very quickly based on service judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that you said that. I don't know if we want to transition to themes, but I, I might have too much to say on that. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I gr- not only I agree with you, I feel that I feel that in my soul uh, because there's a lot that I think you could take from what was in this episode alone, including some ties to, uh, religions, peoples, uh, communities scattered. We're going to get to that. Yes, yes, yes. But I absolutely think there's that angle of it here. I, I often talk on, on our Star Wars news show about running into comics in the green room at, at comedy clubs and they find out I'm a Star Wars fan. And wow, those conversations go a lot of different spots. And one of them a couple weeks ago, it still affected me. He wasn't being, he wasn't even being mean, but just said, man, don't you think it's weird that we just watch like something like Star Wars and attach all this meaning to it? Oh, you know, so silly. And I just, I didn't even have the response because this is probably someone who says fellowship of the, of the rings is just people walking. Like, you know, like we're just walking, <laughs> got to take a bath. And I just didn't, I, I, and I don't have anything for that sometimes. Cause that number one, you, you know, you must do what you feel is right. Of course. Mm. But, um, I just, I, 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 I we have a, a listener, uh, Bill Bro Baggins is, is his username in uh, Discord. And, uh, <laughs> he, just, he just had a very unexpected, sad, tragic, uh, pet loss, which, which is, which is horrible. And we were exchanging the messages and, and he was like, uh, I, I love that I can see this stuff, these fantasy and myth stories uh, on that level where I, it, it does guide me. It does fill me up. It does help me in the healing process. That's what these stories are there for. Uh, if you want to engage with that level, uh, you and I often talk about you know, engage with the story they're presented and tell you, discuss it, review it. But beyond all that is what you're talking about. And, and to have Bo Katan literally just saying what you're saying, it's children's stories. It's, I mean, there's a lot of different things going to go to it. But but I do think it was meant. I, I got to think it was intended because these are, by the way, this is a guy, John Favreau, along with Dave Filoni, who were accused of just playing with their toys. We, we had recently, uh, last week, a hot take going around, former coworker of mine saying, oh, Andor makes me want to get up and fight faster than in, in my real life. Amanda wants to make me buy a toy. And it's like the first part is your truth. The second part is you're swinging and missing on what this all really means. And I feel for you. I'm not angry at you. I'm just certain that you're missing a lot of things that could make you uh, just make your life a little better at times. I don't know, because we're all down there. We're all overwhelmed. This episode, absolutely. You struck a chord with me, Joseph, because it absolutely, Mm -hmm. that's when the episode ended. 
I was like, I don't quite know how to feel about it other than I feel it all has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as always, if somebody watches a show and doesn't enjoy it or somebody says, hey, I, I hear everything you're saying, but didn't strike that chord. I didn't find that. Right, right. I see what you're saying, but the, the you, you, I see I heard all the notes, but none of the music's playing. So mm-hmm. be it. That's that's just fine. Um, yeah. But to me, I feel like there is a little bit of an analogy in, in Bo-Katan of like, Bo-Katan has such understandable reasons to say there's nothing down there but loss and pain and uh, pretty words that have been made up to to paper over how hard reality is. Yeah, That's all that's down there. That's all that's down there is theater, you know, <laughs> theater for our subjects. Totally understandable. We can all get to that point. And yeah. she would have, if she had not literally plunged deeper, <laughs> mm-hmm. if she had not, uh, you know, followed the conviction of her beliefs of Mandalorian stronger together, mm-hmm. which I definitely want to talk about to keep saving Din, no matter what, if she hadn't taken that step past cynicism and, and literally looked deeper, she would not have had what is possibly a, a, a kind of a rebirth, a connection to something bigger, a connection to something that she thought couldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. it's really about like, it's easier to, to uh, believe uh, in lots of things uh, when you're younger. It could be spiritual. It could be uh, just hope. It could be just magic, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Just, just, that, that, just that going out on a Saturday night is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, every level of belief is, is easier when you're younger and you can lose it. You, you calcify, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah. you got to be willing to see it. Yeah. It, it. That's what Bo-Katan literally does is go mm-hmm. deeper and, and seize it and has what I think is the best swear word in star Wars. You just can't hear it. Cause it's just bubbles. out of her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that is, that is the first introduction of the actual, uh, F bomb, right? Yeah. Look, uh, Mandalorians love their weapons. So if anybody's going to drop an F bomb first, yeah. it should be a Mandalorian and, and underwater. Uh, yeah. so we're getting into some, some of our big picture reactions. Um, Ken, I want to talk about it from from this perspective and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Of I really thought that there's this big idea of rebirth. Um, mm-hmm. I think rebirth and home, the idea of what is a home, how much does the home give you meaning, has been a big idea of the show and the and this season in general. But I think it's really dealing with with depth with this era of time of the empire fell. Everybody is traumatized. The New Republic is trying to rebuild. But a lot of the characters that we're spending time with in the whole Mandoverse of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett are about rebuilding and rebirth, right? Tatooine is going through a rebirth. Uh, Mos Pelgo changing its name to Freetown and and becoming a community. You know, Boba and and the crew rebuilding Mos Espa. Uh, This episode, we really see Peli's ties to the the culture of of Mos Eisley and that idea of home. Grief is building Navarro City into a home. He's pitching Din on living there. The idea of home. Luke is just starting his new Jedi school. This is a time of rebirth and renewal. So I feel like that's a big idea that's going throughout this this era, this Mandoverse. And then I think this episode is is really zeroing in on the specific question of if all there's if there's all this rebirth everywhere can Mandalore be a part of that? Is there still life value meaning or 
is it an empty husk? You know, yeah. all sorts of quotes, uh, obviously in the show supporting this of Din telling Grogu, I know it looks scary, but it was once green and beautiful back when the songs were written. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many Bo-Katan lines about, you know, it didn't always look like this, just ashes now, all of that. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, the whole thing is really framed by rebirth. And then, you know, th- this is not a, a, a shocking take, right? Uh, Din, <laughs> the actual plot is that Din is in search of, you know, metaphorical rebirth that is yeah. very similar to many rituals here yeah. on the old real world of of bathing in the waters cleansing and starting new a uh, lot more uh, elements to the way i think they deal with rebirth but i want to pitch it back to you and see if that idea that framing makes sense to you it, it, it absolutely makes sense to me because underneath it comes some of the other things i think we'll discuss but but that's um what's going on for everyone and and to have this season answer it on this level in terms of, you know, the Mandalorian people um, um, just in terms of star Wars lore, you know, it's like one of, Hey, where were they? Hey, why were they off in the shadows? What's going on? And now we get to answer that and answer that uh, and, and take it from star Wars and maybe apply it to our own lives in certain ways. Yeah, absolutely. This, this re rebirth and how to do it, how to get there. Uh, the faith and the fear of it all is, is at stake here for me. Mm, yeah that's that's great um yeah i think uh, i want to get back to faith and fear um that those are two two powerful f's <laughs> uh but, but i think there's to me other ideas of renewal other than the the literal community re- rebuilding the, the literal you know bathing rebirth uh that din is trying to go through i think there's a little bit of act of of rebirth and renewal by the renewed relationship between din and grogu that din is very aware that i am teaching another generation you know what is teaching another generation if not you know mm. rebirth uh there's literally a you know uh the the new generation needs to learn what the old new and grow beyond it and there's mm-hmm. uh so many beats in these first two episodes where he is just explicitly teaching Grogu. But the, the quote in this one, when he's, when they're arriving at Mandalore and Din says it's Mandalore, the home of our people. Yeah. That really struck a chord with me that we know that we know that's the plot. And it has been since season one that, that Din Mm -hmm. is going to consider Grogu a a foundling the same way he was. Uh, but now that they've really chosen one another, that idea of like, I'm teaching you not just to be safe in the galaxy. I'm teaching you to be a Mandalorian, to be mm-hmm. one of us. It's a it's a kind of rebirth. Yeah. And to always be able to find yourself no matter where you are and what you're doing. And there's that's, that's some of the powerful stuff running through this episode. I uh, talk about rebirth and where where do they belong in it? Um, you know, just think of cultures, peoples, lands scattered uh, throughout history, some of it with strong religious overtones, some of it things we've uh, seen in our own country, uh, you know, I, uh, and, and, and this happened and how do, how do we get there? But also where do we go from, from here? And that's what the, here in Bo-Katan just being heartbroken of not the loss of place, but the loss of community. And then mm-hmm. it, it, it might've, you know, it definitely had something to do with the empire, <laughs> definitely had something to do with them, but also, how we lost ourselves and how we continue to struggle uh, through all that, all of that throughout the the histories of Mandalore too. But yeah, I thought it was really powerful in, in that regard. That's a great topic sense. Yeah. I th- I think what you're saying about Bo-Katan is one of my favorite parts of this because 
some of the rebirth we're talking about is is literal of you know the of the mm-hmm. towns and of of din yeah. bathing bo-katan's is so spiritual right that she's convinced that the symbols in the lore are meaningless um that there's nothing to cling to but ashes and that's definitely about the empire literally <laughs> turning mm-hmm. the place into into glass and ashes um but also i think there's this like depression about the the people of mandalore that that the desire to bring them all together and the like, yep, the empire literally did this, but it happened because we were scattered. We were separated. We weren't strong enough to face them together. So, you know, when she says nothing to cling to, but ashes, when Din's like excited, like you were right, (laughs) you can breathe. There's the stuff going on. And Mm -hmm. she's saying nothing to cling to, but ashes. I think it's literal, but I think it is also that's where she is mm-hmm. feeling about the society, about the Mandalorian mm-hmm. people. And yeah. to me, it's just such a massive rebirth of the, the possibility uh, of believing more, believing hope, believing that there's meaning behind the lore and the symbols of Mandalore. Such a rebirth when she mm-hmm. sees that mythosaur. And I think that's what gives it all its, all its power, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's that it's a reawakening, I think, for her. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still gonna say right now, I have a 2% holdout that the mythosaur wasn't real and that she just saw the rocks move, but that, yeah, you know, it's, it's real in the show, but you know, I'm, I'm still like, maybe it wasn't there. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm bringing it back to reality. Yeah. Maybe it was an animatronic. Maybe there was a, you know, like Mandalorian <laughs> Disneyland down there. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Final, final thoughts on 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 rebirth, and then I want to want to hear more about kind of how how you were framing the faith and the fear and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting that even R five goes through a little bit of a transformation and rebirth. You know, Peli is the figure who is always succeeding and pushing Din toward change and adaptation. Last episode, you know, he he seemed like he was pretty set on it's gotta be IG eleven, and she pretty mm-hmm. quickly talks him into something new. So she's often. Uh, Pelly a symbol of of pushing toward reinvention. That's the whole story of the yeah. N one. And it's it's you can look at it as totally comic that she's just like, hey, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fast talk Din into paying too much for R five. Right. Uh, but you can also look at it as her doing the same thing for R five. Like, get out there and be yourself. Don't mm-hmm. be a coward. You're an astromech. Act like one. So even R five goes through like a, a strange little rebirth. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I put that under. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you framed it that way. I, I put it at this different levels of bravery, right? This episode deals with yeah. that a few times, and you, you said the line, "Don't be a coward, you astromech." Act like what Grogu must help then. Uh, Bo-Katan must face uh, what she fears and, and all that stuff. And it's this different level of bravery. And I, I had this idea too that I, I think it, it applies here too. Of, of uh, before we even get into faith and fear, I, I one of one of the themes was, "Are you ready for an adventure?" And Grogu mm. was watching, learning the how and why we adventure because what you get out of it, what you get out of it when you step forward, uh, which is perhaps the hardest thing to do. I feel like R5 every day right now. I feel like <laughs> R5 and I need to just, don't be a coward. You're a podcaster. Act like one. Like I just, I just, I, I, I really feel it. And I love that little beat and it really does set the tone. And you're, you're right about Pelly. You, you, you explained it before in such wonderful ways of yes. Amy Sedaris is doing this kind of crazy silly character and season one I, I struggled with her a little bit it's just it's that's all gone because of what she's there for and and uh always saying yeah yeah yeah, no move forward that's the best way 
it's, it's, it's important. It's important to have her there. Yeah. And there is something, you know, if you're willing to dive into the living waters and check for the mythosaur, there is something more there that every time he encounters Pelly, she mm. gives him a new idea. And, and and I don't think Dan is emotionally aware enough. Like there's the real practical, like she has resources. I know her. I, you know, I, I know that she's a fast talker. I, you know, I, I trust her enough, you know, mm. um, there's all those real practical surface level things going on in, in Din and Pelly's relationship. But like, I uh, wonder if there's something like deep inside Din and like mm. every time I'm stuck, she gives me a little push and I kind of mm. don't like it, but I grumble and I accept it and it, and it works out. I mean, mm-hmm. he even says about the ship, no complaints, right? The ship that he yeah. did not want, but right? she pushed right. him into trying something new and adapting and, and now he's happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ain't that the way, huh? Yep. Yep. Uh, my last idea about rebirth was the the dark side of it. I thought it was really interesting that uh, the the absolute creeper creature, um, no no name that I'm aware of. So I'm thinking of him as is General Gollum. You had a name for him. What did you call him? Uh, the the eye droid of terror. The eye droid of terror. Yeah. The nothing left but one big eye and half a brain and maybe mm-hmm. some weird porcupine spikes <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh head can detach no problem super creepy super creepy would have been just fine if it was who who knows what he's gonna do to din probably eat him the mm. fact that they took time to show that the way this tortured creature is surviving is mm. trapping anyone who comes down there looking for hope and desanguinating them literally mm. taking their lifeblood uh, you know wasn't creepy enough that it's a robot spider mech it's also a vampire cool cool but that it to me it really it tied into everything that one's feeling about this idea of you know is it is it just this kind of crude matter without meaning or is it vital and like Mm -hmm. hey uh blood blood's a pretty good example of living water you know yeah yeah absolutely great no great connection there once again Themes of horror uh, applying to themes of the real world and life. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of real life vampires out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to run into that one there. Yeah. So I, I'm curious what you were thinking when you say faith and fear, and what what part of the episode is is speaking to you so deeply with those uh, two big Fs. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this episode, it's funny, we're going into Indiana Jones season around these parts where there's a lot of, particularly in Last Crusade, this uh, leap of faith, uh, the path. Uh, the, I almost wanted Bo-Katan to yell, the penitent man shall pass. It just, there's a lot of this walk of faith. And then you can take that in a lot of ways. And and this was a spiritual episode and it probably affected some people uh, uh, in some very intimate, real ways with their own belief systems and, and their own, um, you know, uh, religions that might be a part of, and I think that's right. I think that was there, but the, the way the way I looked at it, there is um, <laughs> the, the Bo-Katan fear is a Star Wars word we use a lot, and and, and the dark side is trying to sell that fear. Those in power trying to sell play, play on your feel fear, and and Bo-Katan faces other kind of fear. Our R five had a fear, but Grogu had some fear. Bo-Katan had this fear, and it and it's this fear of of of, of self. It's 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 a fear of. Uh, what you might be worth. It's a fear of what you lost. Um, and and faith can be an inspiration and it can be about survival too. I think that's a lot of what's at play with uh, Din and the the armor. We, you and I've talked about that. Um, 
there's some perhaps some some ominous overtones to what the armor has done or or, or taught, but also there's a sense of that's how we survived. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's not that's not bad and alone. But but faith, when it goes from inspiration survival into uh, a tool of fear or containment, that's the danger. And I think there's what Bo-Katan's always been kind of preaching that other side of it. You zealots, this and that. Um, but for her to kind of have to, what you're talking about, marrying uh, uh, the ideas, um, uh, there's a balance to be found between these two views on Mandalore, I think. But also she's got it in her heart. It just was, it was interesting to me because she's, she's talking a tough game, especially against the children of the watch. Uh, understandably, I think you and I, again, have had those mm-hmm. discussions. But to have suddenly this episode to be like, yeah, but you know what? We've been split. That's why. That's why. And 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 I lost faith in, 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 in that we could even bridge the gap. What you got the sword, wave the sword around. They'll follow you. Um, and this idea, you know, the Bo-Katan was right. The Mandalore is not cursed. And I, Ken Absolute, do not think that the planet is actually cursed. I don't. I don't necessarily believe in that. I, I don't think that's real. But. But when you start to look at it, when you start to think about it, this planet represents the biggest fears the Mandalorian people have. It represents the fears Bo-Katan has. It represents the sorrows that we're afraid to face. Uh, we, we are we are R5. We don't want to go face that stuff. And so if you see it as a curse, then it just might be. Was I? Look around, she says. Uh, and so I don't think it's an actual curse, uh, but I think it definitely... If you lost the faith, it can start to contain you. It can start to 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 uh, play on your fears. And I just think it's this weird. It's this hard thing to really put into words for me. But to watch her just kind of go like, "Yeah, a lot of that stuff's destructive. A lot of the stuff isn't the way to, the way." Um, but it is who we are, or and it does guide us. And I do miss it. And I do miss our community. And I miss who I was. And I miss who I could be. Uh, and I, to get to the next level, I got to have some sort of faith in it. I got to, I got to believe in something. I got to believe in, um, that this all has meaning. <laughs> I just don't. We're going to go into those details even more and more, I'm sure. But I don't know. Just that's the way I took it. And, and, and literally watching her even more than Dan, watching her land with a smile, mm-hmm. land with, a, yeah, this is home, even though it's sad and, and, and being, Hey, it was green and watching her go down this cave. I thought that design was great. And, and, and to go into the waters, to go all the way down to the, the deep. It was really Din's been on it. He's on this walk. He's mm-hmm. like, cool, I'm here taking a bath. And she's like, mm, okay. But he's along the way, you see the breaks. You see the breaks of what she, she, she really, it betrays what she really feels inside when, you know, looking at Grogu. What, what are you looking at? All that kind of stuff. And then just to, like you said, to take the deep dive, to take that walk of faith all the way to the bottom and find out that what you might fear could one day be what makes you stronger. That's, that's a hard journey and a hard journey to do in a show. That's just about selling toys. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I love everything you're saying. I think you're encapsulating a, a lot of great things. I think uh, I love the discussion of the planet is, is cursed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I think from Bo-Katan's perspective, um, this is speculating, uh, but how, if you defined yourself as, we are the greatest warriors. We are warriors. We are strong. That is what ultimately defines us. And hey, when we go too far, it means there's infighting and destruction. But but when we use it in a positive way to rally the communities together and, and lead like my sister tried to lead, like Satine tried to lead, it's like, yeah, we are warriors. So we can walk the hardest path, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We can say no to joining this unjust, stupid war, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
but you're still left at the end of the day, and and Bo-Katan has been on both extremes of what a Mandalorian can be. We meet her as a vicious, cruel member of the Death Watch, fully investing in in yeah. the old ways. We've just uh, strength uh, might makes right if you're stronger than somebody, you should take something from them because that's mm-hmm. the way. Um, all the way to trying to walk in the in the footsteps of her of her sister and not seek revenge for revenge's sake, which is you know mm-hmm. what she tells. Satine, she's been on all these extremes, but how could you not feel cursed if you're like, I define Mandalore as warriors, then why are we always defeated? Yeah. Why is our home always ravaged? Mm-hmm. How can this needle be be thread, you know? Yeah. And to, uh, to really kind of look at what, what Bo-Katan might feel the curse is, which I think she speaks to in this episode. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, because it's it's so it's so funny too. There's a moment here. Um, I love what you said there. We're, we're, if we're warriors, why are we always losing? Get in, get in, loser. Let's, let's go lose it. Like I, it's <laughs> it's um, that's it's real powerful there. I'm making a joke, but it's real powerful. I love the moment where like it's, I almost want to be like, oh, shut up, Bo, Bo. Um, which is like, oh, you've never eaten pog soup. And I, I wanted I wanted to yell. Oh, so you do believe in tradition? You do believe in it. You, you, mm-hmm. you, that's not just a ceremonial soup. It's part of who you are. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. You're kind of, you're kind of hiding what you feel here. You're, you're hiding your feelings in the bottom of pog soup. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really agree with that. And I really, I think that's what was so great about this episode. I love the whole thing, but it just became electric in that second half when Din and Bo-Katan finally were able to truly deeply interact. Right. Really did. Really um, did. You're, you're calling it uh, faith and fear. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think uh, I kind of thought about it just like working together, coming together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because Din and Bo-Katan are kind of a symbol of, of the fracture of their people, the kind of fractures that, that Bo-Katan is talking about. We always end up subdividing and, and fighting uh, and, and mm-hmm. making ourselves too weak to, to face the real enemy, right? Uh, and, and both Din and Bo-Katan have strong, stubborn, uh, I'll go alone. Din tries to go alone. Bo-Katan tells him to go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, she's marching out there to tell him for the final time to F off. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be left alone, she shouts at the ship before she even sees <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what's going on. I'm, so in, my both have, in, in, I'm in my sweatpants. I, I, I had She had the little blankie for sleeping <laughs> on the throne. It was great. Yeah. They, they both have this, this strong, we're warriors, we'll walk our own path. But they've always been in their interaction too. But they've always been aligned on. But, but we want to we want to be there for one another, you know. Mm-hmm. And in our mm-hmm. actions, we keep being there for one another. In this episode, was able to dive into the the idea of that that they have mm-hmm. these very different claims to Mandalorian heritage in very different perspectives because of it. Bo-Katan knows the reality, the born there experience the history, the other beans on the planet, the politics, the pog soup. Like, I know everything, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, from royalty to pog soup. And Din knows the foundling way, the devotion to yeah. the creed and the in the old ways. So they, they have these different perspectives, but through their, their two different perspectives, they keep coming to the same goal, which is bringing the Mandalorian people together, right? Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about some of the kind of canon of what, what Bo-Katan says about needing to bring people together. But when you're talking about faith, I really responded to the way Din talked 
about the creed and its purpose. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we've seen, I think, the the darker and the more cultish side of Children of the Watch of he's been told this is the way. He hasn't been told there's another way. He's, in fact, been lied to by omission mm-hmm. that there are other ways. So you can see sometimes Din is like, you haven't been given the the tools to choose. You're lost because no because armor didn't t- show you where all the stars in the sky are. So you're mm-hmm. actually lost, right? So there's there's a dark side, as you're saying, to the creed, into Din. And sometimes you can wonder of like, is he considering this for himself or is he just doing this because he knows no other way? Yeah. And this was an episode, a moment where he made this sort of much more passionate and personal argument for his own belief in the creed. Yes. Is that it is there to keep Mandalorians safe. He says, our people are scattered like stars in the galaxy. The creed is how we survived. You rescued me. I'll always be in your debt. And we definitely have seen this from the beginning that, you know, even in, that, in the very first episode of the show where, where Din is just out there being a, a brutal bounty hunter, in his mind, it's all for the foundlings, right? Mm-hmm. Because to him, Mandalorians are a, a savior. A, a child looks up and a Mandalorian is there to save them. But to have that reinforced here, that he's not just like, um, I'm not thinking through the meaning of the creed for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing what I was told to do, and I'm and I'm scared to have a new life, so I'm just going to do what Armor does. I think there is some element of that. But mm-hmm. this was an episode where he basically told Bo-Katan and us, this is why I believe in the creed. This mm-hmm. is why season three is my mission for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything out of duty or, or for someone else. This is for me because I believe it is the way to get to where you want to be, Bo-Katan, where we are stronger together. And and then I think th- they have these, come from these different places, have a similar goal and then the the big conclusion of the episode is that is that they need what the other have. They need mm-hmm. Bo-Katan's grounded knowledge and they need Din's unshaking faith that the lore, the creed has meaning. And I don't think it is a blind faith because he articulates a mm-hmm. practical reason that he believes in the faith. Yeah. And we see him walk it again and again of being there for other people and saving the young. Uh, so I think it's just really a really powerful story of people from different perspectives who who have every reason to just start punching and flamethrowing, <laughs> yeah. managing to come together. And then, you know, they they both arise from the, the fearful depths, you know, yeah. reborn with with what they need. Yeah, this is this is great stuff too. Um, uh, particularly when it comes to Din, um, I think he's had many times over, over the course of now two and two episodes, two seasons and two episodes to 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 have some real world experience, confirm some of his thoughts. But he had so much of a challenge. So much of last season was why are your helmets off? I was told not to. And I like what you're saying about this 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 episode in particular, but this season confirming this. Uh, faith is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing when it's used as self self reflection. Uh, when it's used as a as a as a as a guide, it's a it's a horrible thing when wielded like a power, wielded like a weapon, and and uh, I think there might be some times where I think maybe the armor has gone that way. Um, mm-hmm. 
We don't know all of her story yet. I I would love to have that campfire conversation with her. Add her into these these this mix with these two characters. Just discuss it. Have some tea, pog soup, and discuss everything. But I think what you're talking about, for at least the way I'm looking at it, is is Din Din really finding the true meaning of, of faith. Without the creed, what are we? It's this view of survival. It's this, it's this view of purpose. Uh, and and, and Bo-Katan is someone who has tried to find purpose in so many different ways and so many right ways. But it's blood, it's title, it's experience, it's symbols, it's a weapon, and none of it, none of it uh, uh, worked. Uh, as uh, Bono would say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, <laughs> right? And and to have those two marriages, it, it, a lot of things what you're talking about, I think, are reflected in these beautiful little moments. This is some of the best stuff Sackoff has done as his character. Beautiful little moments of awe of Din walking in. She's, she, she's kind of like, wow. I would have been snarky about this, but I'm seeing it. I'm seeing what it really means to him and I'm feeling it. Um, I think that that's how I played that moment landing, uh, coming in what Mandalore, um, the idea of it, missing it, meaning it, the meaning of it, whatever those kind of moments. And then the one that I think a lot of people are talking about the the best of this is the way so far in the show, um, mm-hmm. talking so highly of her father and what he did for Mandalore and died. And yeah, he is great. She's got, obviously got a very hard edge about it as she probably should. Um, just his soft, kind of broken this is the way um and how that affected her and now she might see some of the value in what he's talking about and some of the purpose in why we would do that and why her father uh, exemplified that because i'm sure her father probably believed in some of this uh this showmanship as she kind of tosses it off as um i bet he believes in that the purpose of it not the not the uh, pomp yeah, no, I think that this is the way was really, they, they had a back and forth about it when they first encountered, right? Uh, mm-hmm. her, her being a little bit sarcastic about it, uh, very sarcastic about it, and then a little bit more respectful when they worked together and that he put, when he put himself on the line for them. Um, yeah. But that this is the way, once again, did feel like this is not just something I say, I believe it. And, and mm-hmm. I think both of their their perspectives are valid and to be wrestled with, right? Um yeah. Unless they change the story, we'll we'll talk about it more in our canon section. Uh, her father died in Mandalorian civil wars. M- more pointless fighting from Bo-Katan's perspective that destroyed her entire family that she yeah. was a big part of. Um, it, it's understandable that she would feel the loss of a great man for no good reason. Yeah, and Din would say, "But I believe protecting, you know." the the idea of Mandalore protecting the people of Mandalore is the highest calling, and I believe that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, there's it, it's straightforward imagery of you know plunging into the belly of the beast, going deeper and deeper into your fear, passing through the clouds, mm-hmm. and passing into the cave, passing by the monsters. Now, can we go? How how deep can we possibly go? Has anyone ever been this deep in Mandalore? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, it's it's straightforward, but there's also this this power to it where you know, Bo-Katan has that, like, I've been down to the depths and I know it was there and I know it's not there and there's nothing but pain left. Um, and, and she needs to push past that. Mm-hmm. I think there is uh, some some great stuff going on with, with Din where he has this just absolute uh, <laughs> Terminator-like, I walk forward, I'm on my path, and that's mm-hmm. it. And that mm-hmm. is sometimes powerful and sometimes exactly what you need but there's also a danger in it of not questioning and i feel like that that's again what's like so beautifully balanced with with what they both need at the end of 
mm-hmm. it's such a powerful beat that that Bo-Katan mocks everything as it's just lore, it's just myth, it's just children's story, it doesn't have any meaning. Yeah. And then she sees the meaning, she feels the meaning. That's really powerful to see. But I think there's kind of a moment like that for Din too, where where it is meaningful when he is absolutely invested in the creed. He's thought about what those words know, words mean. He knows for himself what they mean. They're not just being fed to him, but he's also so still lacking in knowledge uh, that he literally marches himself off of a, a, a cliff he doesn't know is there. Mm-hmm. And there's like a there's a comedy to it. There's a great mirroring of uh, Ragnar, the kid from the first episodes. Um, yeah. You know, bathing, being interrupted. <laughs> yeah. And to me, there is a little bit of in that still still playing with the 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 push and pull of faith mm. is wonderful, but when you combine faith with blinders, you you get into a danger area. And I think that's what the armor has done to Din. She's put blinders on him. And she's led him to a place where, in this moment, it is both real, deep, spiritual, and Bo-Katan is affected by that. And then he falls off a cliff and has to be rescued because he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And he needs Bo-Katan's knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hey, look, uh, you, even when I look at it, too, of uh, life with all of his struggles takes you where you, maybe you need to go. You want to follow that thought out. If he lands there with no obstacles, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, Grogu doesn't know what to do. Might, might not know how to save him. Maybe Grogu figures out to go to Bogotan, but it's probably too late. Uh, so everything that you thought tripped you up is maybe what saves you in the end. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, the the presence of the Darksaber, and it, we didn't spend a lot of time highlighting it, but seeing that Bogotan wielded it just fine and, and Din's <laughs> yep. still, yep. still not... Quite uh, in rhythm with the dark saber. Uh, still not exactly sure what he wants to do with it. Um, I thought that was great. I think that was set up for future things. But but I wanted to talk about the dark saber because I think in our discussion about fear and faith and finding that balance, I think the dark saber is such a great uh, symbol to talk about how we invest in in symbols. Right, like mm-hmm. Bogotan is feeling. Um, just disenchanted uh with the idea of we're we're uh kind of just saying things have magic properties you know that's where you know go wave it around right you know it's it's another lightsaber it doesn't have any magic properties um and on one side like yeah great we we shouldn't in my opinion just be like the dark saber is magic don't question it which Mm -hmm. i think the armor is right The, the song said it so do it it's yeah. true. You know, don't worry about it. I, I, I've told you what it means. Don't worry about it. And I think what, what Bo-Katan has lost faith in is not a superstitious belief in the Darksaber, mm-hmm. but the idea that Mandalorians, with full knowledge, with full spirituality of their own volition, can choose to invest it with meaning. Mm-hmm. And to me, there is just a big difference between Hey, you're told that it has uh, this superstitious level of power. Just believe it. Versus, hey, if we all believe in the idea of the dark saber, if we all believe in this symbol, we we believe we need someone to lead us. We believe we need somebody to unite us. We believe we need to hold up a blade and 
and fight back and defend the idea of Mandalore. Mm. Th- those are big floaty ideas. So how do how do we how do we make them? How do we give them focus? How do we give them perspective? Mm. We invest them in this thing. Yeah. And if you do it blindly, it's dangerous, in my opinion. If you do it with choice, it's communal power. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a, a lot of what the, the show is is building toward with the Darksaber. Yeah, and again, and how you wield it, right? I love that this weapon, um, it's it's some, not, not unlike other Jedi blades, right? Um, you know, you, you're in sync with it. It's yours, your crystal connects, but this one has just this real... Powerful meaning. I love that moment of Din still kind of lifting it up. What are you going to do with this? How are you going to wield this? Uh, because you need to figure it out that way. And you need to, need to figure out the right way. Yeah. And and, and I think it's, te- and, and, and I think it's telling that um, Bo in that moment, it's not, you know, it's not something that they missed as creators. No. They're very aware of it. So Bo in that moment to have it, it's some fun speculation, but also just, uh, it was very a spiritual use of the weapon, I thought. I thought so too. And I thought it was a great, like she has been obsessed with it, right? That she needs it, you know? And then it kind of broke her heart, right? And in this dumb way, she didn't have this, this storybook, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this man, Moff Gideon put us through absolute hell. He took it through me. I will prove my strength and, and therefore the strength of Mandalore by taking it back. She had this, this great mythic mm-hmm. <laughs> story that she wanted to happen. And then just this bump, this, this guy just showed up and got it. And I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I did like that, that she picked it up. She wielded it because right now she's in a point uh, at that point. She's like, it's a sword, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. it doesn't have to be like, oh, I didn't I didn't kick anybody's ass to, to pick it up, you know, and just hand it back because, yeah. you know, so it'll be interesting to see after seeing the mythosaur how her dark saber feelings evolve. I think that's the very next conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your weapon. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, last idea that I wanted to touch on, you already touched on, but I, I wanted to, to look at it a little bit more. This idea of, you know, pushing past fear and maybe even kind of living up to the legend, right? Um, mm-hmm. We talked about with R5 that, that you know, Pelly is pushing him past his fear to, to live up to what he could be with, you know, you're an astromech, you're, you're meant to be flying ships through the galaxy, uh, fighting tyranny. Mm-hmm. Maybe Pelly overselling it a little bit, but but basically really pushing him to like live up to the legend of what you are, of what mm-hmm. people think astromechs are, especially astromechs who, who served in the rebellion. And, mm-hmm. and I think that really matches with a lot of stuff that's, that Grogu is what's going on with Grogu, right? He, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's awakened. He's leaping and chattering. <laughs> yeah. And exploring. Right. Yeah. But he's still held, pod. Yeah. Yeah. Controlling that pod, like nobody's business. Uh, but he's still held back by fear, right? And and we see mm-hmm. this multiple times. Then you know, assuring him that yeah, the planet's scary. Uh, he's scared of the the great crocodile bats. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pushes through his fear to save dad. That the literal standing up to the <laughs> Alameth <laughs> before yeah. the force push is so great. Um, Bo-Katan literally, you know, tells him he needs to push past his fear of I know you're frightened, but I need you to guide me to him. That little mm-hmm. sputter and then the light click and forward movement. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Let's go before I change my mind. Yep. Uh, so all, all pushing past fear stuff, great imagery with pushing through the, the dark clouds to see what's underneath, all that. But what I wanted to specifically just touch on is the fact that Bo-Katan does make it about being a Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Quizzes him about living up to the Jedi legend of, you know, how good are you with the Force? Must be quite good if you got back to me all alone, you know? Yeah. Y- y- your kid did this. He's tougher than he looks. 
it was it was a big episode for Din and Bo-Katan and, and Mandalore, but it was a pretty big episode for Grogu too of of Absolutely. trying to push past uh, the fear and being given examples of what it is to be a Mandalore Mandalorian and what it is to be a Jedi and being asked, can can you push past fear and live up to those legends? Absolutely. Put aside the ranger, be who you were born to be, all this kind of stuff that pops up in myth and it's powerful stuff. And I think it's important that uh, both are being addressed very clearly. And I love Bo-Katan having that moment of, you know, we got along with some Jedis. Yeah, we, you know, I know, I don't know what they told you and we definitely fought, but I knew a lot of Jedi and we, we worked together. Like it, it's a powerful thread, this marrying, this balance of it all. Um, I absolutely think that's it. Without a doubt, can you push past it? Can you push your little pods go button? That's the <laughs> question we all have to ask ourselves. Yep, and he does. And we'll talk about those beautiful beats. Uh, the chapter title of this episode is is pretty straightforward, The Minds of Mandalore, but did you did you get more from it? Well, I'll tell you what, I would, going to our topic up top, I was excited. I was like, oh, okay. We're doing it. <laughs> like we're right there. So that just meant a lot just in the in what the title is telling me. Now, I think, look, the, the imagery of, of going deep, like you said, uh, what are you going to discover there? Uh, what truth are you going to find? I, I thought that worked for me. Um, while this is a little more of an on-the-nose title, I, I think you can absolutely uh, extrapolate that and put it to the story. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was just thrilling to be like, oh, we're doing this. This isn't the uh, the second of three deals that Din needs to get. To the minds of Mandalore. It's just the minds of Mandalore. Uh, but I think it's a great way to encapsulate this big question at the heart of the episode of mm-hmm. the the practical versus the spiritual versus the conceptual. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the minds of Mandalore representing both real practical value when the Beskar ore was mined. That was, that's real. It's yeah. physical. But does this amazing place have conceptual spiritual value as well and right. i think the, the the title containing both is a, is a good guide to what it's about yeah absolutely was there anything in this episode that you disliked or questioned no like i said uh, up, up top at times uh, choppy only only since we moved around and and and, and i'm guess that's maybe a negative word but but you know what i meant and and, and i just but i i like it it's it, you, you described a slice of life i think i i it's sometimes though i have to sit with it and that's okay and and it is um i think you and i've tried to stop using tone poem as much as maybe we did in the past <laughs> but it, it it works for me to describe a lot of favre's writing style um, so sometimes it sticks out to me a little bit more only, but only because sometimes I think I wanted, I wanted to see Boonta Eve. Like I wanted to celebrate that, you know, like remove it. And then, um, a little bit of like your head's, your head, you're going left and right. You're like Darth Vader looking at Luke and, and Palpatine. You're like, what, here, 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 here. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's in the end, fine. And, and that's, uh, the style it's purposeful, like you said, and also a, a great director bringing it, uh, bringing it home. Yeah. So you almost feel like you were shown too many shiny things that you're like, ooh, but more of that. <laughs> it, it, it only, only like last week we said um, it was almost like three one act plays. Yeah. Uh, it, it still had the same vibe to me. So there was like seven scenes that were from different, not different shows, but just, you know, like uh, it was one of those like seven stories of Mandalore, like, 22 stories of Springfield. And and, 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 what, and I know that's a. An, a, a nod to something, but like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I personally had that until you, you, you touched upon it until they got together and then it was electric. I think as you described it and I, I'll, I'd support that as well, uh, leading to the big reveal. 
um, then it, it, it completely worked for me where before I kind of had a little bit of like, oh, okay, okay, we're jumping, we're jumping, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everything before it, uh, it was works for me and is, is needed to get where we go. I think the, the mm-hmm. main thing for me is I understand if somebody has uh, any tonal whiplash complaints uh, because to go from the 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 pretty uh big comedy of Pelly uh to yeah. some of the really deep stuff and creepy stuff like yep it's it's I've been obsessed with talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. uh the entertainment history of of vaudeville being a little bit of everything I think Star Wars embraces that and wants to kind of yeah. defy being just locked into one thing so I understand if anybody else doesn't like the tone and, and staying in a, in one tone a little bit more like Andor does, I think might be the, yeah. one of the reasons that, that some people really responded to that. Um, yeah. 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 But for me, I like it because it's, it's, it's bold. It's adventurous. It's yeah. We understand that's a rule for some people Yeah, <laughs> that you can't have super scary comedy, you know, and you know, heartwarming family lessons. And <laughs> yeah, we're not supposed to do them all at once. Yeah. We're gonna, we're um, gonna, we're gonna. To me, that's that's kind of the the heart of Star Wars, and yeah, like like I'd say, I think I think writing wise, you might get the note of like Grogu going back for Bo-Katan makes sense, but it feels like we're doubling back and seeing the same th- scene again. And, right, right. Um, that's a. But for me, sometimes those those rules are there for a reason, but sometimes we get obsessed with the rules for the rules' sake. And uh, it's, I think sometimes that's where notes come from is people kind of learn the rules and then we just say the rules to each other. And mm-hmm. I think Favreau is at a point going like, yeah, okay, but it does this. We get to see the way Din reacts to it. We get to see the way Bo-Katan reacts to it. We're building a story where this is about both of their reactions to their home. Mm-hmm. It didn't having, having never been there, Bo-Katan having grew up there and led it and failed it, Right. Mm-hmm. two very different perspectives so it is rewarding to see them both go there it is rewarding for grogu to have to uh backtrack because we learn about grogu so um anyway sorry i think i'm uh reliving some <laughs> some uh, strong feelings about notes i've gotten where i feel like i yeah. i see what you're saying about the rule but are you seeing what i'm saying about the spirit of the story yeah, yeah, no, it, it's one of our um, uh, something you and I've discussed, and maybe we'll discuss in more detail about the Phantom Menace. Of I love when uh, even famous YouTube videos point out that it doesn't follow the structure. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. You figured it out then, didn't you? <laughs> like, yep. Welcome to the party, pal. Last Jedi breaks some structure mm-hmm. rules um, in order to have the rewarding experience that it that it very masterfully clockwork like creates you know mm-hmm. uh, anyway uh, I, I think for me uh, i i can see some people bumping on on din's monologuing to grogu um but i really like his ongoing how to be a mandalorian like in like just that like to me it's funny mm-hmm. of like the like okay i don't really know uh how to be a dad i know how to protect foundlings and bring them money <laughs> yeah yeah but how do you how do you be a dad explain everything always is yeah, it's charming to me. I also do think that there was some repetition of information in throughout the the episode um, right. of history, ideas, stakes, the mythosaur. Um, but I really think that is that might pop to to really all in Star Wars fans. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's so valuable to have Bo Katan, you know, read that mythosaur myth. Mm. 
to mm-hmm. to recenter more yeah. casual viewers and make sure that that they get to feel the emotional punch too. So I I, I would be on board with the criticism that there's a little bit of repetition, but I think mm-hmm. it is there for a reason. Yeah, I also love that moment. It's like going to the zoo. <laughs> it just felt like, <laughs> and the this orangutan came from. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we got to read the historical plaque. Didn't make the stop on the road trip to read every historical plaque. <laughs> it's like walking in Disneyland, uh, reading the Walt Disney post <laughs> statue inscription. Like, yeah, 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 magical, magical kingdom. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know, no pointing. Yeah, got it, got it. That's he's pointing to the bathroom, right? That's all right. Okay. Uh, all right, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about some of the canon, the action, the comedy, and more back in a moment. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And 
we are back to continue our discussion of chapter 18 of The Mandalorian, The Minds of Mandalore. We're going to get into some big canon stuff. Um, there's there's a lot of fun stuff, a lot that was uh, stuff that was new or stuff that was playing with uh, with older ideas. So let's start here, Ken, with a, with a place you wanted to see more of, Boonta Eve. Yeah. Uh, of course, people will know the Boonta Eve pod race. Uh, just for clarification, this is what Wikipedia says. Boonta Eve was an annual holiday and festival celebrated on the desert planet of Tatooine during the last decades of the Old Republic and the time of the New Republic. It honored the rise of Boonta Hestilic Shadru to godhood. And most likely, it was celebrated with fireworks. I think that's a new addition to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about getting a little bit more of that sense of of Tatooine culture of most Eisley culture in specific of spending getting just a little snapshot of Boonti Eve. How did you feel about that? I love it. Also, again, this show, it's hilarious that Favreau sits on a stage in Chicago and says, ah, I don't know the prequels, but Dave's teaching me. And, and uh, so many of these episodes and moments and vehicles and are shining the light back on the prequels, but particularly the Phantom Menace. And, and you can't not think of, the pod race. In fact, I was, I got to tell you, I was a little bummed when it started, when, when we're looking at it and you're hearing the sounds. I was like, Oh, are we going to see an actual pod race? It was like a different kind of race. And I was like, riot racing. Oh no, it's a different kind of race, which is great. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I wanted to go back to the stadium, you know, I wanted to see it all again and it was just fun to experience it. And also to have such a, we had seen some of the stuff in the trailer, right? You talked about up top, some shots mm-hmm. we'd seen before. And, and I thought it was, um, yeah, it had an end of an episode vibe, right? Mando flies <laughs> off after he makes a deal. And that's what, again, I love this episode. It did do uh, its own thing. And it was just this, no, what we we're seeing was he is riding off to another mission, but we're, we're at the start of an episode. But also it's, 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 the, it's the culture of the, uh, of the community exploding behind them in wonderful fireworks. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a fun start to the episode. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it just, you know, for the, hey, this is what Star Wars does. It's the tip of the iceberg. Boon to Eve, we understood, was a was a holiday that the pod race happened on, just like we have big sports games on, on holidays. Mm-hmm. But the pod race was the focus. And hey, now we go a little bit deeper and we see a little bit of the actual celebration. And, and to me, it was very funny because I don't I don't know if that was any organized race of those two speeders, right? That mm-hmm. first shot or if that was just local hooligans, you know? Yeah, yeah. Street um, Yeah. Street racers. Uh, but you know, we get the Jawas running the same scam that Tika kind of ran on <laughs> Obi-Wan of, we're going to, we're going to steal your own stuff and sell it back to you, yeah. um, with a middle person now, uh, to make it work better. Uh, but there's been this fun development of Tatooine in it, in its culture. Uh, I get that some people are sick of Tatooine, but, but I like it as it keeps being new. And one of the things that they've really followed up on, you know, uh, uh, Obi-Wan's negative Yelp review of Mos Eisley as a wretched hive of scum and villainy. We've got fun follow-ups on as we see Mos Espa being, you know, a little bit bigger, you know, a little bit uh, more working together. Mos Pelgo becoming Freetown. We learned about Mos Eisley from the perspective of Cobb Vance. And and let's be honest, anything goes. (laughs) In Mos Eisley, anything goes, right? Yeah. And so Boonta Eve became like, beautiful fun it was a time that Pelly knows that she can fleece people <laughs> and so Boonta Eve suddenly becomes like oh and in most nicely that's that's spring break in in most nicely Boonta Eve is a week of frankly non-Irish people using St. Patrick's Day as an excuse to get drunk yeah uh, that's hilarious 
Yeah, you got to get to the cantina early. They got tents in the back uh, park, parking lot. They set this yeah. up there. And, and no no uh, criticism of the actual meaning of St. Patrick's Day and what it means to the actual cultures involved. But, you know, that sort of joke where other people have mm-hmm. said, great, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I can use this to cut loose uh, and seeing that that's what's going on. It was, was pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Awesome. So let's dive into... The Mandalorian back history and st- story. There's there's a lot of great things here. I wanted to ask you about this one, Ken. It might be in uh, in our comedy quotes as well. Uh, it's a, a serious moment, but Bo-Katan talking. Uh, Din Din says it must pain you to see it like this, and Bo-Katan says what pains me is seeing our own kind fight one another time and time again, killing one another for reasons too confusing to explain. I thought that was really powerful because we, we do know that that is an important part of the story that Mandalore keeps fractu- uh, factioning yeah. off and uh, fractured into factions. Yeah, um, yeah. But also there is this meta humor to me of the actual stories that we've heard of, the stories that we have seen on screen in the Clone Wars and in uh, Rebels, they do get confusing because it is faction after faction turning mm-hmm. and turning on one another did you did you enjoy that line in a meta way uh yeah no i did yeah absolutely uh it's something that you know they have to look in the mirror and deal with themselves anyways um and i know a lot to finally get into the mandalore culture to have them discuss it was pretty um pretty fun just in terms of the lore side of it i know a lot of people excited about that and i, I am as well yeah yeah i just i just felt like even even Bo-Katan like is looking back over her own history and her own choices. Like it's exhausting to try to explain to you that Mm -hmm. (laughs) this splinter group of the death watch (laughs) Mm -hmm. sided with this. And then Almec did this and then, okay, well, so Concord Dawn anyway, like Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was, was both uh, deep and meaningful and also a little bit of a funny nod to the fact that it is actually confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was new information that, uh, didn't grow up on Con- Concordia, or, or I should say, confirmed, right? Because the armor says to him, you know, it was only our our cult, you know, separating from the actual planet Mandalore that saved us from destruction. Uh, mm. Concordia is, you know, there there's clear connections between the Children of the Watch and in Death Watch. Uh, maybe we'll get some clarity on what the exact sort of relationship between mm. those two groups. Is but how did you how did you feel about seeing uh, Din point to Concordia and go? That's where I grew up, and I've never been to Mandalore. Uh, it uh, makes a lot of sense from some someone like me who didn't travel much as a kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I had never really thought too much of, of of Concordia and his relation to it. So it was nice to explore it. I love the, the how he used it um, and when and, and explaining things to Grogu. Uh, and, and I thought it, uh, it's just kind of fun to see it laid out on a map quite, quite literally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, 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 it's funny cause I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about Mandalorians clearly in my entire life. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I just kind of smile and nod at a lot of it. Like, yep, that's a, that's a planet. Let's do it. Let's go there. Yeah. No, it, it does. And, and I, I think I've been really intrigued by their stories in the animated series and, you know, uh, trying to memorize and, and track because I think it is rewarding. <laughs> uh, 
But sometimes, killing one another for reasons too confusing to explain is accurate, but I really like, I, I liked this clarification, because we also get the information from Moff Gideon that, you know, he, he served in this specific core, and mm-hmm. so it sounds like at some point he was, you know, like all Mandalorians, you know, sort of drummed into kind of a, a an alignment with, with the Empire, which we see in, in Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was good to just get a little bit more sort of clarity on that, and also I think it it does explain if he was always with the the children of the watch mm-hmm. that he, he never was exposed to different Mandalorian cultures. Yeah, yeah, n- n- never crossed state lines. Yep, never. <laughs> <laughs> I've read about that, but I've never been there. Uh, it's great to hear hear kind of images of Bo-Katan's young life as a as a princess that tracks so well so well. I think with like the Clone Wars and what we saw of like, mm-hmm. yep, we're warriors, but we're also a very political society with uh, lots of artwork, lots of rituals, all that. And, and her, her story of, of bathing in the waters and saying all the words was, was great. I thought any thoughts on that? Yeah. And it goes into stuff with her father, which was the first time we really going to heard this. I, I, the only, the only, uh, you know, little bum bummer moment was I just wanted her to say the name Satine, but that still might come. That still might be uh, earned. And it also would have less meaning to the general public uh, public right now. So maybe we find a different way to end it introduce it but no i love i loved hearing it it was just very surreal just to see this destroyed um you know sandari and just mandalore and just have having having finally spent time with it in clone wars and rebels uh that whole thing was surreal and to learn just a little bit more because when we meet her she is a she is a warrior um fighting her sister uh it 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 was a little it was special to know that where it all began like you know you can almost picture her in a I don't know, what are they, Mandalorian princess dress or something? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great reflection. Yeah, yeah. And to, to just think about what a what a journey she's been on of sort of mm-hmm. rejecting her family and, and getting closer to the Creed by being a member of the Death Watch and on and on and on. Um, yeah, the the mention of her father, uh, Duke uh, Adonai Kreese. Uh, so this is great, Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Wikipedia... Uh, Kreese died in the Mandalorian Civil War uh, that led to Satine's ascension to the throne and her pacifism mm. uh, that we see in the Clone Wars. Mm. But are you ready for the source of mm. how this has been established that mm. uh, Bo-Katan's father died there? This vital information to the story of the Kreese family was in Star Wars col- colon Build the Millennium Falcon 32 Guide to the Galaxy The History of Mandalore. <laughs> Is a backup article in what I believe to be a short-lived magazine uh, uh, about <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. Beautiful. <laughs> this is what we always say: you must pick up every coloring book because you never know when information will be there. Yeah. So I think for me, I just wanted to have fun with you know what do we know? Where did it come from? But also, uh, I think what's said in the show is that he died defending Mandalore. So I think they're still mm. kind of open to a, a little bit more information or timeline there. Of all the you know materials out there that Filoni and team might want to rework, I would I would expect that book be be one that they have the ability to play with a little bit more. <laughs> Do not touch the canon of Build the Millennium <laughs> Falcon Thirty Two. Do not. Uh, the Alamite uh, creatures. Uh, they appear to be brand new. Uh, sometimes I miss something that's a, a reference to or a regrowth of something from Legends. At least in uh, Wikipedia's brand new tab, uh, there, there's there's no there's no Legends. It's just uh, just this, the Alamites. Uh, 
They, uh, according to Bo-Katan, they used to live in the surface wastelands beyond our cities. Uh, she tells Grogu that their in- Alamite's intent is to eat them, eat the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, they really evoke to me some classic Star Wars going back to deep genre roots. Uh, they really reminded me of the the Morlocks from H.G. Wells, uh, The Time Traveler mm. story. Um, diving in to uh, refresh my memory uh, on the the Wikipedia entry for H.G. Wells, The Time Traveler story. I thought this was an, an interesting passage that I think to me spoke to what's going on with the Al- Alamites. Uh, it says the, the titular time traveler speculates that the relationship uh, between uh, the sort of uh, civilized people and the mm. the Morlocks um, developed from a class distinction uh, present in his own time. The Morlocks are the working class who were relegated to working and living underground so that mm. the rich upper class could live in luxury on the surface. With time, the roles altered the surface people becoming hedonistic livestock of the underground dwellers. So mm. I, I think it was really touching on like, okay, how did those Alamites get to be there? <laughs> mm. Why were they in the wasteland? Why weren't they in the cities? And this reversal of of, of roles where now the city mm-hmm. has become their home and the former ruler of Mandalore it, traveling through Sundari is trespassing in, on, in their home. <laughs> their territory. Mm. Mm. A lot to process there. Yeah. What, what did you think of the uh, Olamites? Uh, I went through a journey with them. Um, I love the show does this a lot. It's, it's, it's celebrated this kind of style and I love it. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes like, I don't know if it's for me, but then, then I, then I go through it. Well, if it was animated, I wouldn't have any problem with it. And this show I've also said is like a live action animated show. And it, and it, 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 it tries to hit those things that you can get away with in animation. Like, yeah, well, crazy creature design. You don't have to worry about how it looks in your world. It's just on screen in, in this different form. And so it's like kind of, I was wrestling back and forth. I was like, I don't know if I like that design. And then I saw Phil Tippett had something to do with it. And I went, shut up. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Not just that I just go, oh, you know, a spoonful of original trilogy sugar, but it's just like, yeah, they know what they're doing. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So Yeah. Uh, I, I think to me, like, I get that sometimes the images in designs that are pulling fairly directly from older, you know, fantasy, older science mm-hmm. fiction, even other parts of genre can be like, uh, seem clunky or old or, or uh, cringy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to people like the way people reacted to the title attack the clones but but for me the use of them is these creators going especially if Phil Tibbet was involved like well when we were younger and we first saw you know a film version of the uh, time traveler uh, these struck a chord they were meaningful they did represent something they were the fantastic to us and it's kind of them going mm-hmm. They're not cheesy. They're not silly. They have meaning. You know, what is evoked uh, by a design like this? What does it make you feel to go, who are these creatures? What are they doing in the ruins of this civilization? And make you wonder what they what they are. Um, I think it is a reclaiming of the fantasy that these creators felt in their youth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, you know, from the Harry S and stuff, whatever you, you know, a lot of the stuff we saw as well. I think it it, it really works, and um, it could sometimes be jarring. But but look, this is a show where I have no problem believing Grogu is now leaping into people's arms. Right? I don't question <laughs> that for a second. Um, 
but I still struggle and sometimes question with the existence of these creatures. Just I'm like, I, it's, it's a man in a suit. Well, yeah, of course it is. Or it's a CGI. It, do, it doesn't matter. Um, it's, 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 uh, going to the big lessons of the episode. Sometimes I'm even challenged on these kind of levels of, uh, uh, in 2019, I had more problems with this kind of stuff than I do now, but it still pops up. And, uh, just seeing Tiffett's name involved again was just kind of this reminder of like, they got this. Just, just enjoy the ride. Find the <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's talk just a little bit about uh, the, the, the creature with no name, uh, General Gollum, as I'm calling mm-hmm. him for now. Uh, what did, what did you think of the design and what did you think uh, was the deal? Who or what is that? <laughs> How did they get there? What's going on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure, you know, again, I want to be clear. I, I don't know to what degree Phil Tippett was involved, and, and he could have had more to do with this character than the other ones. Just, but, but just seeing his name in the credits maybe calmed down a bit. But I love this this character. My thought is that, you know, you invoked the name of Grievous. Uh, it sounds like an incantation, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I've seen it elsewhere too, but like, it, why wouldn't you? That eye was, you know, very... Uh, very reminiscent of, of, of Grievous. So I, therefore I just kind of took it as the same kind of thing as it might've been a, a real creature at one point. It might've been a real person at one point, who knows, but they're down there and this is what they become. And it's just so wonderfully creepy. It's, it has dark crystal like, which is the movie that always creeped me out as a kid. Cause I was just so scared of things. Um, it, 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 again, with the first, when the, 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 when he's first captured, when Den's first captured, it's kind of crazy. And you got like the big, almost crab ant, like super droid. Um, that was, that was, creepy enough for me but then the, the unve- unveiling was so well done just crawling out of that shell the, the larger shell and you got the true creature inside and then the head comes off very effective so that that was that worked on a lot of levels for me yeah yeah i think it, it's just the between uh uh general Gollum and the alamites you know you've got this challenge of this is a mythic story Din and Bo-Katan are, they have to face trials as they push past their fear and go to the, the depth to find the truths, right? So, okay, so mm-hmm. what, what's the, what are the trials? Okay, well, some, maybe some, some beings who perhaps weren't treated well <laughs> yeah. and left to fend yeah. for themselves in the, in the wastelands. And then somebody, uh, some creature that used to be some level of organic certainly seems intelligent using yeah. high tech, but brought mm-hmm. to this kind of, disturbing low animal like place uh but is this sort of symbol of like anything to survive that we've seen before in star wars right yes we've seen it with grievous we've seen it with vader we've seen it with with maul uh and to see kind of another vision of that of just like i Mm -hmm. there's also this suggestion that there's more hope that there's people who survived or there's people who come through there enough Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. he that he, I, I, I apologize. I keep saying he. I have no idea about the gender of the creature. That uh, that they uh, use nostalgia and pain as a trap, right? <laughs> to set the helmet with just yeah. enough peeking out of like did these all these mandos come through here with their heart on their sleeve. Yeah, like yeah. this is. I just got the vibe. This is not the first time this being laid that oh, trap yeah. and and got enough blood to keep going out of the deal. Yeah, this isn't a finally, this is a again moment, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I love that. Maybe we'll, we'll learn more. Maybe there'll be a, a whole book about uh, this character. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But definitely wanted to spend a little bit of time on That's this great. character. Right. Uh, R5-D4, of course, you know, we know from, you know, that that film, Star Wars. Um, but 
uh, a lot of people have been excited that they felt like uh, Pelimoto's line about him serving in the rebellion was calling out to some of his various stories in Legends and in mm-hmm. kind of canon from the book, uh, from a certain point of view, uh, the story of the Red One, uh, mm-hmm. where is basically a story where it is a R5D4 remembers vaguely that he used to be a part of the rebellion and R2, you know, uh, both sabotages him and talks him into uh, blowing his top on purpose. How did you feel about R5-D4's presence in general? Any connection to that story? What were your thoughts? It's, uh, I guess, yeah, I do like it. Uh, I have these kind of moments where, in, in the best way possible, I'm like, that's that's the droid that saw Luke. You know, <laughs> like that's, the, and it's there at his, at his little droid port now. We're talking about R5-D4. I've lived with this character all my life as the other droid. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, so it's both fun. I, it, I don't have a negative view on it at all, but, uh, um, I, I have, I have a, I have a confused reaction to it. I, I'm trying to struggle. I'm struggling to explain what I feel. Um, cause I like the, I like the acknowledgement of, of his past or even kind of adding to his past, whether it's a direct callback to things you're talking about and it, that story, I even, but I have that problem with even the story. That the, the 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 from a certain point of view story where I, I'm like I don't I don't know if it needed to be a choice I don't know I don't know and it's not a negative thing it's just like could have just been a droid and so to see him back here to to really confirm his place in the story it's been a fun adventure as a longtime Star Wars fan I don't know if that makes any sense but I, I don't I I have a I, I, I a couple out of show experiences watching him <laughs> in this episode of going that that's the droid he that droid spoke to like Uncle Owen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only and it's only like ten years ago, yeah, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. In in our fives timeline, yeah. I no, I I understand. I think that's part of the reason I wanted to bring it up because I think that it is complex. I think um, I I think that the red one story is well written. There's the infamous legends, I believe, comic book story that implies that R five D four had the force. <laughs> that's in that that R five D four sense that Luke was important um that i'm definitely not super excited about um mm-hmm. i like the red one story just fine I, I, it's a good story I, I don't know that i needed it to be a story but i somehow yeah. responded to r5d4's presence in mandalorian differently because I, I think it goes back to what we're talking about at the top of the episode of i had r5d4 there are times i think where i didn't have an r2 but i had an r5 <laughs> <laughs> I had to make do and I had to make yeah. up stories. And I know that the creators are coming from that perspective of this is the beauty of Star Wars. This is the wonder that yeah. this, this just droid who's who's a plot point in the movie can become this launching off point for thoughts and adventures. And I think there's a real sincere spirit in the Mandalorian show of if it's fan service, I think it's fan service to John Favreau. And, and Dave Filoni and everybody who is helping make this character come to life because there's a real, there's a real why not of mm-hmm. we, we played with this toy and we want to, we, we want to give it a story. Uh, and, and this one's a great story of like even R5D4 <laughs> yeah. uh, can be pushed past fear uh, to live up to the potential of, of who and what they are. Um, so yeah. I think, when the story first started, like, oh wow, R five D four is going on a mission. I had this, I had this reaction that's about fear. I had this reaction of maybe I don't like this because everybody's going to yell at this is 
mm-hmm. fan service and trying to sell us new R5-D4 toys and it's just playing with action figures and they can't let anything from the past go. And I heard all that negativity. Mm-hmm. And then as the episode went on, <laughs> and the episode was about Bo-Katan fighting that negativity to get back to mm-hmm. a, a spirit of, it's okay to imbue things with meaning if you're doing it with knowledge and purpose. Yeah. And I it kind of went on the journey of like, you know what? Why shouldn't we play with our 5D4? Yeah, yeah. No, so you said a lot of wonderful things there, but but the one that the word jumped out was sincere. I, I really like like even in in, in previous uh, Mandos and, and Book of Boba Fett of, of EV99 showing up or 88 showing up, right? Um, that could be any other droid, but why not be a droid that we all saw in Jabba's Palace? Why not be Max Rebo? Why not? Uh, you know, we got something new, Astromech Drummer. And now we have a story because that is part of the fun. And I, and I understand, and I understand sometimes the pushback, but I, by the way, I don't see a lot of anti R5 D4 discourse right now on Twitter, but to your point of like, I think that's what I was maybe trying to capture. Just like uh, I'm staring at this going, Oh, that is R5. That's so now every time I watch new hope, I know that this is what happens and you can deal with that two, (laughs) two different ways. And sometimes I have that I don't know if that happened reaction other times I'm like you know what it did and it's fun and why not because this is Star Wars uh, and it's this uh, we flip over the back of the card package the figure package to see all those figures there with the possibilities of stories attached to them that's part of the tradition of it so uh, why not why not yeah why not R5-V4 and, and I think the the key thing to me is if it if there's still new too, and there was much that was new in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, last kind of canon thing for me is obviously Pelly had a lot of little name checks in her her pattern, you know, no chance cubes and all that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was thrilled that she mentioned uh, the Lerman, uh, saying that Grogu was leaping like a Lerman. Lerman are the little pacifist space raccoons uh, from early Clone Wars episodes, Jedi Crash and Defenders of Peace, but they always stand out in my mind because the the lead Lerman's got a, a real good voice and just just giving it to the Jedi (laughs) about not wanting them there. Love that. Yeah. Great stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other canon thoughts for you? No, no, you, you hit all the big ones there and there there was, uh, there was a lot and a lot of Mando stuff, you know, just a lot of episodes do provide a lot of canon connections and, and and I enjoy that a lot more than, more than other programming at times. Yeah. And this one was particularly gratifying because some of it was, you know, revealing more clarifying, more adding new things, really getting into the heart of this, mandalorian history that is animating Mm -hmm. so many of the characters Uh, let's talk about action there were definitely some big action moments did you have some favorite beats uh i did uh you know we had a couple yeah little breaks breaks in the uh, emotional action um mando uh, we talked about the man having the sword and and a little little weighty little weighty but i just love the uh uh, he's got the sword, but you know, you can also use a fist, just punch him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does. He does, you know, some blasting, mm-hmm. some stabbing, some punching. Uh, but yeah. he's like, this is a sword worthy, uh, yeah. man. I love that whole thing, but I particularly loved it when the sword came out, when the dark saber came out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that I love fights in high places. It's yeah. always better if somebody can fall and there was this great tension of not only is it heavy, but I love that almost every time he seems to fight with it, he's somewhere he could fall, which adds to the tension. Mm, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know heights and guardrails and, and stuff in Star Wars, but yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. 
I really, so I really like the, uh, I, I really like the final stab and the, then the pushing over the edge and, and watching, uh, the Alamite fall all that way. That was great. Um, this is kind of an action moment. It's not a fighting moment, but I also, man, did I love the shots of both Din and Grogu and then Bo-Katan and Grogu jumping over that ledge and flying down into the vast mm-hmm. unknown. That was just beautiful action shots. What did you think? I lo- well, I, I love it. And then, you know, it's not the first time we've seen a Mandalorian use a jetpack, but it is the first time we've seen Grogu go, he let's do it. And uh, I love, I love, we, we highlighted it uh, last week. I highlighted the fact that he seems to be controlling the pod uh, this, this week. It definitely confirms it. Uh, he is, he is riding around that thing like a little space golf cart. And I, uh, I'm here for it. He's got the joystick. Yep, mm-hmm. he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently you can just go straight down. That, that was great. Yeah. Absolutely great. What were some other action moments for you? Uh, we got uh, a lot of stuff. Bo-Katan getting to show what she can do. Uh, the line from the trailer, you didn't think your father was the only Mandalorian. But just, uh, again, after seeing her in action so many times, we saw it last season, but so many times in Clone Wars and Rebels, it's uh, it's fun and surreal to see it really happening here. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So her little her little uh, you know, she, wrist shield comes out, all that stuff. Uh, it's just fun to see her in action. A lot of great moves, a lot of great stunt performers working there. Yeah, no, absolutely great. Great to see her different, you know, technique with her, you know, two blasters and the shield and, and you know all that yeah, stuff that yeah. is from the animated show. Uh, the shot that I really liked of Bo-Katan is the. Uh, the knee slide with the dark saber, you know, cutting into the guts mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the robotic scary monster. Uh, I would have liked it uh, all by itself, but then I remembered that interview where Bo-Katan, uh, where Katie Sackhoff said, uh, "I really like doing knee slides." So there's a bunch of stunt performers, <laughs> but when it's a knee slide, it's me. So it's like, is, is that Katie Sackhoff? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, for me, there were just kind of countless great Grogu moments that mm-hmm, are, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere between great action moments, great comedy moments, great character moments. Um, when he first tries to rescue Din and he, he does the little uh, sneak walk. <laughs> I almost wanted to hear the little cartoon. That was great. When he is just trucking with the pod and he has to veer away from the scary crocodile bat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Love that. No, and again, you know, here I am. Sometimes I get, I don't know if I like the fourth eye on that alien. Is that a stunt performer in that costume? And over here, I'm like, Grogu's real. You can't convince me he's not real. So it's, 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 go or open up your heart to all of it. But yeah, Grogu is just great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I, I love what you're saying about never questioning Grogu because he, he had a lot of moments in this that were like, yep. Uh, they are committed to that. We generally don't CGI things that the puppet kind of couldn't do. (laughs) It it doesn't move that way. You know, it isn't the, and suddenly in this one shot, you know, extremely uh, flexible limbs and all that kind of thing. Um, I love, I also loved um, when he encounters the Olamite, we've seen the, the image of the Olamite, you know, flying out. Yeah. Um, But I love when the Olamite growls at him. And Grogu just, he's frightened, but then he just stands up <laughs> in his little pod. And it really is the like, bleep it, I got this, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I, it was, a, it was yeah. a cheer moment. It was a, it was a uh, wake my wife who'd already gone to bed moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's very much the, uh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I've seen it on display. I, I have no fear in this moment because I am aware of who I need to be here. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely great. And then final Grogu moment for me, I, I just, I love the intent of it when uh, Bo-Katan is telling him, like, I know you're scared, but you got to move forward. And he makes that little grunt, hits his light, and <laughs> goes. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, any other action moments for you? Uh, no, no. I think there was there's some great sequences, a lot of fun. Um, so unless you count diving into water as action, I'm, I'm good. Uh, that was a good one. Let's talk some comedy whimsy moments. Uh, any any comedy and whimsy moments that jumped out to you? Again, look, anytime Grogu gives a worried coup, or I think he's so close to speaking his first word, I do love that Pelly. I thought that was really funny that Pelly's kind of almost playing on it, the audience mm-hmm. expectation. Um, uh, so I love, uh, I can start there, but I love that. I really like that throughout of just like, there's too many to write down, but I love Grogu's really increased verbalizing without yet yeah. saying words, but he, he's, it, it, it is funny and charming and Pelly pointing out and going to say Pelly and like he, he really didn't. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes it feel like we are building up to a first word someday, but it also kind of makes me feel like we don't know the development rate of this species and yeah. there's a little bit of me that's like is this is this some trauma like mm. if order six mm. never happened and, and yoda was you know chatting with him and helping him he'd be you know saying mm-hmm. full sentences by now and this is part of his trauma you know mm. it's a, a yeah i just thought i'd bring up trauma while we're talking about comedy and whimsy uh <laughs> what were some other moments for you uh, we, uh, look, I, it's probably going to be some very popular, uh, TikTok videos this week, but, uh, I am here for, uh, uh, exhausted Bo-Katan, just mentally, emotionally exhausted Bo-Katan. You mentioned the blanket. Uh, <laughs> there's some great uh, conversations out there. Again, these videos, I forget the actual, everyone probably knows by now the sweatpant, uh, Bo-Katan, uh, meme that's been going around in TikTok video. Just, you know, how long is she sitting in that chair? And I, you know what? I've been depressed like that. Mm-hmm. She's probably been sitting there for days. Like, you know, that's why the blankie's there. All right. And I just, uh, I love the energy there. Real funny and purposeful, yeah. but funny. Yeah. And that energy of like, I'm going to get rid of him once and for all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> she's up. Now she's like, all right, all right, all right. Nothing. All right. Yeah. That was really funny. I really love that. Um, jumping back to, to Pelly for a minute. I, I do. I like the through line that she has not replaced the tooth she lost in a, a book yeah. of Boba Fett. Speaking of uh, lore, right? Pelly tooth. Yeah. <laughs> now that would be the merch line that, that I won't cross if Galaxy's Edge starts uh, selling uh, Pelimoto's lost tooth on a necklace. I won't. I won't buy that. No. Okay. Fair. No. Enough. Too far. Too far. Uh, uh, I did like you know how most Eisley gets uh, during Bunto Week in the in the guzzling gesture. We talked a little bit about the comedy of that. Um, I like it when when they first land on Mandalore and Din's like, "Hey, let, let's get going." And RFID D four just. <laughs> <laughs> shakes his head no 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 <laughs> nope not happening not happening yeah uh, other moments for you uh uh god i had one down there at the end oh well yeah just all the book it book and and grogu stuff uh just even you know uh the, the glance what are you looking at uh all that kind of stuff it it's it, uh it's just fun to, it, the pairing of grogu and 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 blank is always fun. Like who Pelly's got this reaction. Din's got obviously his father reaction. Then you got tough, hard, exhausted Bo-Katan, um, who I think's heart is melting around Grogu as well, including the, you know, the cockpit opens up on the N1 and it's like, Oh, this isn't good. And, and I, and I want to help this little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really fun to see somebody else interact with Grogu with kind of full respect for everything that he is and could be. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And I don't, yeah. Because like Pelly loves him. It's like this adorable, weird creature. Like if he splits, mm-hmm. give me one, you know, uh, there, there's sincere love there. But to see mm-hmm. Bo-Katan treat him as like, yeah, you're a Mandalorian foundling. You're a Jedi. You know, I've fought with your kind, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, both with them <laughs> side by side. And, and I've fought them. Um, mm-hmm. Which is another fun canon thing to go through the, the list of, of Jedi she's, uh, that we've seen her interact with. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I loved all that. I, a, a moment that I don't know if it was meant to be comedy, but it it made me laugh. Is it was painful when Bo-Katan was looking out over the ledge and saying that this was once a beautiful civilization, now it's a tomb. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, eh, eh, let's do it. Yeah, uh, final one for me is the this moment you've been talking about when when Din has the very meaningful "This is the way," and I almost interpreted Grogu's stare like he's he's watching, he's learning. And I almost seem, think he's looking at Bo-Katan like, aren't you supposed to say it back? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which triggers the, what are you looking at? Yeah, no, yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, you cannot uh, over, uh, you know, underestimate Grogu's uh, ability to comprehend what's going on, right? Don't no. do that. He's seeing it. No, he's taking it all in. Mm. Uh, any other comedy moments for you? Uh, no, no, that was it. A lot of whimsy, a lot of spirit, a lot of wonder. Um, even the moment right before he's trapped when he finds that helmet buried, it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of hope in that moment for me until it, uh, you know, ends in him being trapped. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, along those lines, is there anything that we haven't, uh, touched on that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, we've nailed, I mean, deep thieves of like this episode got me, uh, you know, got me in the, in the field so spiritually. And, and, um, and that's what I like, you know, Mando has been that about, uh, all, all, all now in the three seasons and book of Boba Fett. That's why I talk about love and book of Boba Fett so much. It's got, it's got the spirit to it. It's just, it's this wander, wandering through the desert, um, and, and find yourself a kind of spiritual story. And, and I love that. And Andor is a little bit different and, the, the buffet that you and I have talked about for a long time, it, it, it's really in full effect right now, which may be going to the top is why sometimes um, I get a little, I, I, sometimes you get a little sad that people have reactions. Again, you can like what you, we've gone down that path before. Yeah. This yeah. episode just really hit me and, and I loved it. And I'm thankful for uh, the, the walk of faith this episode was taking us on. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. The ideas were so, so powerful. I, I like the style of the Mandoverse. I think, mm-hmm. In recent interviews, John Favreau has talked about like I, I like the way these characters process the world. I'm I'm deeply paraphrasing. He said something along mm-hmm. those lines, and, and I think it really is that these are characters who are kind of going through extremely hard things, extremely relatable things. But there's a, sort of a, a minimal nature to it of like they're taking it all in, they're processing it, they're trying mm-hmm. to find that next step forward. That makes it all really powerful, and, and I feel like we we did a great job talking about you know so many things that make it really powerful. Um, if anything, I just wanted to shout out that I think there's so much great design. I love mm. how well established it's been down to Boba Fett saying the empire turned that planet to glass, you know, mm-hmm, getting, mm-hmm. you know, the armor is like the, the fusion bombs did blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. then to see it, right. To see that the, yeah. the shattered destruction of this planet is also kind of beautiful yeah. in an episode that asks characters to to push past their fear to ask them if they can live up to the legend of what they are like i find meaning and beauty in that shot of r5d4 where that reflection of him is Mm. running in the glass it's just a beautiful shot it's aesthetically pleasing but it it, it echoes these ideas to see this reflection of yourself as you're walking on devastation that's also beautiful they're just endless 
great shots. Din picking up before the trap springs that helmet. Yeah. This is this is a person who's based their entire life on the creed of this place and never been there. Mm-hmm. And we get to walk with him the first time and, and holding that helmet of the past up the, the helmet that means so much to him. Uh, I could go on and on. The, the, the visuals are really, really powerful yeah. at communicating the story as well. No, indeed. All right. Well, any uh, predictions or hopes for the next week or kind of where the story is going now that it's uh, opened up a bit? Uh, the Mythosaur rides again. Uh, you know, I think that thing, whether it's, again, I'm saying 2% prediction that it isn't even real. All right. But go with me, folks. But I think it uh, it emerges and we have to deal with that. And and, and like you said, I don't really, I mean, I've always said a bad at predictions, but really there's no need to go search for IG-11's memory. <laughs> there's no, I mean, maybe uh, there's no, it's, we're, we're in a, we're, we're through the looking glass now, people. It's a different spot. So I, I, it, we're, I think we're going to have a direct continuation and we're going to see it and we're going to have to deal with what's down there um, in, in so many different ways. And it's a vague and bold prediction. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Uh, you're being vague and I think, you know, hey, uh, we're, we're putting uh, like, I don't know, a couple credits on the idea that the, the mythosaur is animatronic. I think that's, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> Uh, you, you think like in-world animatronic? <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that Din in Bo-Katan convinced the armor, convinced scattered Mandalorians everywhere. Like you gotta see this, and yeah. uh, they get down there and like ah, it's, it's uh, a tourist trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's plushies of mythosauruses down here too. Yeah, I love it. The only reason I say the only reason I really say that there's like two percent in my brain that wonders what did they see that is 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 I watched it a few times in, in, this morning. The, the, this little beat I, I I swear you see it before but really you don't it's just the rock and she's and Bo-Katan's going down she has the, the, the headlamp on um, which by the way Grogu having a lamp is, is amazing on that on that prep um, but you know I, and I just was like wait maybe you, I think you see it before I think you see it before so then I was like no I'm imagining it then I'm like well maybe everyone's imagining what they saw and we only she's the only one that really saw it so we don't know maybe it was some spiritual vision or you know what I mean and I went down that path but uh, for the most part I think the show uh, from Quill talking about it in episode two uh, or maybe what? Even at the end of episode one, I can't remember now. It's episode one, one, yeah, it's, it's, episode it's, one. It's like your your people, you know, rode the mighty mythosaur, and you can't uh, ride this blurg. Yeah, I think we've been uh, kind of leading there. And I set up, t- I sorry, I set up top. You know, the, the previous sound kind of spoiled it. it. You know, only in the sense if you're so clued into the show. I saw that and I went. Huh, I wonder if we're going to see the mythosaur in the water this week. And I know that even Ash has got a, a now a clip going around asking Pedro the same thing last week in interviews. So we're cer- uh, certainly not the only one, but it just is a, a I just I, that's the first, first moment. It's like, oh, we, okay, oh, we're definitely going to see one. Okay, got it. Yeah, the, the, the shock to me wasn't that we saw a mythosaur. It has been mm-hmm. set up since the first episode with Quill calling it out with Din getting the Darksaber with mm-hmm. Armor mentioning it again in Book of Boba Fett. To me, the power of it was the way we saw it and that we saw mm-hmm. it through Bo-Katan's eyes and the power of seeing it through Bo-Katan's eyes. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what, so what? the yeah. how, the how mm-hmm. matters as much as the what sometimes. We talk about the why, but also the how. <laughs> the how does matter. And, and I, you know, I, was, I, I said a joke and you just kind of, you know, went that same direction of like, we don't know what he saw because he either he he slips, falls down the cliff under the water and sucked <laughs> down it, and he might be uh, eyes closed. He might have never seen it, and she's the one 
she's the one that sees, um, I don't want to say the reward for the faith, but you know what I mean? Like, and, and that, that they could, that, that's an interesting conversation. Um, yeah. did you hear me? I swore underwater cause it's there. What? No, I just was taking a, I was doing my spiritual bath, <laughs> you know, like that's an interesting thing to go forward with and deal with it. She's not, he may have not. In this show might be her saying it's, it's real. I saw it to Din, but it also might just be like, I received the message that mm-hmm. even the empire, even all of our infighting couldn't get deep enough to kill the true heart of Mandalore. It yes. lives and my faith mm-hmm. is restored. Not yes. not my blind faith, but my faith in the fact that we can rise again, we can come together. Yeah, and maybe Din doesn't know. <laughs> what, yeah, you know what happened to her when when she had to take a bath. You know. Okay, yes, this is interesting. I, I I know we're hitting two hours. We probably want to go, but I you just hit on another thought I had. I, I putting some chips down on. We never see it again. That that mm. I, I'm talking a small bet. I, I think we we see it. You know, I don't know, but I don't know. There's something what you're saying there. Kind of what I was feeling even last night when I watched it the first time. Of it, it, it that might be the only glimpse. It, it could be powerful if you choose to do that. I think it could be powerful if you choose the other way, and it emerges, and we literally have them writing it. I don't know, but the 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 spirit of it, the the the, the what it represents. It's a toy, and it means the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that could be pretty powerful. Hmm, curious. I, I I'm so open to any way they take it, but it could go a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see uh, where they take it. I I lean towards some full riding. Um, yeah, yeah. Totally. And, and I think I think looking ahead, the things that I'm interested in is finally Bo-Katan and, and Din really talking. You know, we, we've got we've got mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. Um, and I think a thing that could really come to life as they connect and speak more is uh, the show hasn't really the show's reckoned with her her leading. And Satine's leadership, the show hasn't reckoned with the fact that we met Bo-Katan brutalizing an innocent village. Mm-hmm. That that Bo-Katan helped Maul take Mandalore and in in yeah. played a hand in getting her her bringing her sister's hor- horrible end. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the show hasn't also fully reckoned with like, yep, those are Death Watch symbols on the Mandalorians who rescued young din it's it's yeah. death watch and children of the watch and they seem to have similar beliefs and lived in a similar place yeah. um the the show's been nibbling around the edges of that connection between bo-katan and din and how bo-katan feels with it and deals with it so i really hope that they kind of go all in on the relationship between the death watch and the children of the watch at some point yeah agreed on that i, I would love that that's, that's yeah. yeah hanging over yeah yeah, and then I think uh, I got some guesses from what we have yet to see, the beats we've yet to see in the trailer. Um, I feel like there's, you know, possibility of, and if you haven't watched the trailer and don't want to know, you know, tap out for, you know, 45 seconds, um, but that that the Gorian Shard and the Pirates come for Navarro City and, and mm-hmm. Din's got the Darksaber Din's back in the fold and he commands the Mandalorians to defend it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's a possibility. But the the big thing for me is if if what's on the table is can all of these factions of Mandalorians come together mm-hmm. and be strong enough to work together to face a threat, what is the threat? Because I kind of thought it might be a lot of infighting to get to Mandalore, mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. to the Mythosaur. And maybe it'll be a lot of infighting to get back. But we know Moff Gideon's there. So I'm kind of just curious, like, what is the, what's the bigger threat that yeah. tests the ability for the Mandalorians that we know to, 
to be one and to be whole and to be strong enough to face face the fist of of mm-hmm. whatever is threatening them since they weren't together and strong enough to face the fist of the empire as Bo-Katan says no i think that's a that's a great big important question yeah what can unite them what 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 what, what truly can get them together what's the reason that this must you must do it for our survival what is yeah it? yeah absolutely uh well we could talk all day and we'll keep talking more uh, we also have a bad batch episode coming out later that was a phenomenal episode mm-hmm. of bad batch as well if you want to feel some star wars feelings what a day what a mm-hmm. week uh we are going to wrap up with our our fun question that we have now imbued with great meaning uh what action figures or merch do you want inspired by this episode I mean, you kind of touched it on the Mythosaur plush. I think uh, if those don't always, already exist, they very well could. Uh, I, I'd go with that. But I do think now more than ever, um, I do want an updated uh, Grogu drone that's very realistic that can go up and down and fire, has a light. That's That told that light was like, ha, not only is it cute, he's got a light, but also, oh, that's functional. Okay, I could use this. I need it because I, you know, I take the dogs out. Uh, out in the backyard late at night, I got to have a flashlight. I could just have Grogu floating. Or, you know, Bo-Katan has that floating light bulb. Uh, I could use that too, but I'd, I want it in a Grogu uh, style. Oh, that floating light bulb was great. I need that for my storage space. That was an yeah. amazing tech, great fantasy okay. stuff. Uh, no, I'm with you. I, I feel like sincere answer is the expensive, deluxe, general golem, whatever that character's mm-hmm. real name is. The, that is the kind of beautiful, frightening weirdo uh, I love to collect in plastic. Um I have a lot of Din and Grogu action figures. They're going to keep making Din and Grogu action figures because they're profitable and they're meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the absurdity of when you make very specific action figures. I have both the vintage and the Black Series action figures of Din and Grogu from Maldo Crease. And they're the same action figures. They just got a little snow on them. <laughs> yes. There you go. They come with a nice spider. So I definitely need uh, I need a wet din jar in action figure <laughs> stripped of uh, everything and uh and choking you know if you want to be really high end you know I mean, you can get some drips of water on him uh and then i need a uh, uh, grogu in his pod with flipping action where you can hit a button <laughs> yeah. it makes the action figure flip up oh yeah yeah i love what you're talking bath time din needed 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 there you right. go a big episode about uh, power of uh, faith and pushing through fear and meaning. And also, we need bath time, Din Jarn. <laughs> Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Hive Social as well, Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe over there so you don't miss things like essays, shorts, and live shows. Next one will be announced soon. You can also follow us on Instagram. Uh, a lot of fun over there. Uh, you can buy merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can find the podcast a lot of spots. Just search. You will find us. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. From there, get into our Discord where a lot of new people are there this week talking Star Wars with all of our force center friends. Follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, cadnapsock.com. And I do encourage you to listen to the Bad Batch Report. Great episode this week. One of my favorite pieces of Star Wars storytelling. And we go in deep here on the feed. Joseph. Brutal and beautiful episode of The Bad Batch. It was great to see people's reaction to Mandalorian flow in. And then, oh, and now I watch Bad Batch. Mm -hmm. Jeez. 
Uh, yeah, you can find me on social media. Find my pictures of my action figures and alcohol uh, on <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, uh, Mastodon, lots of other places. You can also check out uh, my comedy and short films on my YouTube page. Just search for Joseph Scrimshaw. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the animatronic mythosaur, this has been The Mandalorian Report. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.